Welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, network with other content creators, and have an awesome time doing it. My name is Nick, and today I'm answering your YouTube questions. And if you happen to be watching this on the replay, if you ended up missing the live stream, I want to let you know that this live stream is packed with all kinds of fun and useful and helpful YouTube-related information. This entire thing is driven by the questions that people ask during the live stream. So a lot of questions come through about things that you might have questions about or questions come through about things that you didn't even know that you had questions about, but you have questions about when it comes to growing your YouTube channel, getting more views, getting more subscribers, and just all of the things that go on when it comes to being a YouTube content creator. So I wanted to let you know that. I also want to let you know that this stream is brought to you by TubeBuddy, the number one tool for YouTube content creators. TubeBuddy will help you optimize your videos for discovery. TubeBuddy will help you A-B test your thumbnails so that you can test your thumbnails to make sure that the thumbnails that you're putting out there are effective for the people that you're trying to reach. They do all types of bulk optimization tools or, or bulk update tools. So if you, as an example, if you need to change a link or something like that during a, um, you know, across a bunch of your video descriptions, TubeBuddy will help you do that in just a few clicks. You know, all kinds of useful things like that, but there's 90 tools inside of TubeBuddy. So if you're a TubeBuddy user and you're not using some of the other tools, you're just using like one or two, you're missing out. There's a bunch of stuff in there that you can use. And this stream is also brought to you by StreamYard, which is the live streaming platform that I use to live stream this uh, every single Saturday at 9 a.m. Eastern. The reason that I use StreamYard is because it's easy. They handle all the heavy lifting in the cloud, so my computer doesn't have to work hard. So as you can probably see from some of the views here that are popping up, you know, there's a lot of things going on on my screen and I need my computer for that instead of running software for the live stream. So because of that, I lean on StreamYard for that. And it also makes it really easy for me to bring in guests and add graphics to the screen, like the one that you see on the screen now. And I'll even rotate through some of these so you can see some of the information as well. And I wanna let you know that I have links to them and a bunch of other useful and helpful things down in the video description specifically for YouTube content creators. So if you're on a computer, you can just click into that and see what's available. If you are on a mobile device, you're gonna have to click the little down arrow that is next to the title, and that's going to open up the description for you there. So TubeBuddy, you can try that at TubeBuddy.com slash Nimmin. And for StreamYard, you can just go to StreamYard.com for that one, and, um, and then you will see all the information there. So all with all of that fun stuff out of the way, um, I hope everybody had an awesome week this week. Um, I hope that, you know, you got a video out. I hope that you got a few videos out. Just hope that you're doing whatever it is that you are wanting to do with your YouTube channel, whatever it is that you're wanting to do with your life even. You know, I hope that you just had a great last seven days since I saw you here last time. So really quick, as we are getting into the stream today, as we're getting warmed up, you know, getting a little bit, you know, loosened up and everything, um, I just want to give a few shout outs here. What's up, Doug Houston, YT? Nice to see you here, man. Uh, Insane McLean, nice to see you here as well. Skull House of Thrillers. What is going on? Roger Wakefield in the house. What's up, Roger? Hope that you are doing awesome, my friend. Happy Watermelon. Welcome back to the stream. I think this is the second time I've seen you here. Welcome back. And uh, KJ Fitness, I hope that you are doing fantastic as well, saying you got your snack, your drinks, <laughs> your snack and your drink ready um, to, to listen to some wisdom in Abu Dhabi. Super cool coming from a pretty cool location there and uh, baking with Charlene. What is going on? I hope that you are doing awesome as well. Okay, so um, if this is your first time joining the stream, 
First off, just let me know, um, just so I can, you know, just say, hey. And second, I just wanna give you some insight into what's going on here. So basically what we do during this live stream is there's a form down in the description. And in that form, you can put your questions. And if you have a question about what it is that you're doing, you put it in that form and then I answer them in the order that they're received here. Now, in addition to that, I also pull questions directly out of the live stream as well, because I know that, you know, because of the time that I go live, some people, you know, they're busy or maybe they're sleeping or something like that. And then by the time they wake up, they might have missed the boat on being able to get into the form here. So as the stream rolls along, I also make sure to, um, to include the people in the chat as well, just in case somebody's coming in late or something like that. So just trying to, you know, accommodate people, you know, as they're showing up in the streams and all of that. So that's what's going on. So feel free to ask your questions in the chat. Feel free to ask your questions in the form. And then I just get to them as I see them. And just as a heads up, um, when the questions, you know, start coming out, you only have to ask it, you know, once. And when you do ask the question, I'm going to put, I'm going to um, ask you to please put a cue in front of that question if it's for me, because there's a lot of side conversations that happen in the chat as well. So I just want to make sure that the question that I'm answering is, you know, directed towards me and not somebody else in the chat. So put a cue in front of it. And when I am going to be pulling questions out of the chat, I'm going to let you know, I'll say, hey, you know, go ahead and drop your questions. Um, and then as they come in, then I'll answer them uh, from there. So um, that's what's going on. And we are going to start right now with answering some of your YouTube questions. Blue Eyed Tech, what's up, man? Hope you're doing awesome. So the very first question here is from Matt Hayes. What's up, Matt? Hope you're doing great, man. Says that uh, the type of channel is a sports fan channel. The goal of the channel is to be a voice in my community. And the question is, how important are professional graphics and overlays in taking a channel to the next level? Um, on a weekly news roundup show, adding readable straps and, um, and uh, breaking news bars. So when it comes to graphics, the graphics themselves, unless you're doing animation or something like that, they are not what actually make the content. Now they can you know, make the content look better and they can make the content be perceived as better because you know you have those graphics in there but at the end of the day you know the quality of the content is going to be the things that people come back to you for you'll see plenty of videos on youtube to where things look you know they look kind of janky but people love those channels or you know those specific videos because the content that those videos or those channels contain. So because of that, you know, if you do wanna level things up and create a more professional presentation, that's totally cool and there is advantage to that. I call it visual authority. And what that essentially means is that, you know, when people come into what it is that you're doing, if it's a piece of video content or a live stream or whatever, that even a podcast, if it sounds great, then the likelihood of somebody hanging out and listening to the podcast is, you know, they're at least gonna give it a taste. Same exact thing with a YouTube video, with a live stream, you know, when things look good and they're, they're presenting in a nice way, then, you know, it just adds a little bit more credibility and a little bit more tolerance there. But again, what it really comes down to is you being able to grab somebody's attention at the beginning of your video and then pull them through it or your live stream or whatever it is. And the graphics are just there to support the content, right? So nice looking graphics are not going to, um, you know, trump content that needs help, so to speak. So because of that, just, you know, keep those types of things in mind. Um, let's see here. So as we get into this next question here, um, we had some people that, you know, that said they are new um, to the live stream today. So, you know, I just want to welcome you guys to the live stream. I hope that you, um, you know, learn uh, some information here that's going to help you with your YouTube channel. It's the whole purpose of, you know, what it is that um, that we do here. So I hope that you, you know, learn something as we, you know, as we go through this. Um, and thank you, excellent dude, for also bringing this to my attention. Um, so, 
if you have been looking around anywhere on social media uh, within the last 24 hours, you've seen all kinds of reports, people freaking out like, oh my gosh, I lost a ton of subscribers. I lost a ton of views. What's going on? Um, just as a heads up, there is a glitch right now inside of YouTube and that will be all taken care of in the very near future. So don't even worry about it. All of us are having that problem or most of us are having that problem. So because of that, it's not just you. Um, it is something that, you know, that is being um, experienced site-wide. So, you know, just keep that in mind and, and, and hold it together right? Don't freak out. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, you know, when things like this happen, which is, you know, kind of on a sort of regular basis, you know, a lot of people start, you know, hitting, hitting the internet. Oh my gosh, you know, let's hit Twitter and, 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 and start, you know, worrying about it. But you know, it's these types of things, um, are just kind of a regular, uh, you know, occurrence on YouTube. So once you've been on YouTube for a while, you'll start to notice, you know, that things like this happen. And when they do happen, then you'll just be a little bit more, you know, like, it won't be the thing where you got to hit up everybody you know and be like, oh my gosh, my stats are down. How about you? My stats are down. How about you? Um, let's see here. So as we keep on going through this list here, super I just want to say thank you, Tommy T's Extreme Coasters for the super chat. Says, I've noticed a... Uh, I noticed in the YouTube studio a glitch that last couple days show flat zeros of views of mine. Has that happened on yours? Absolutely it has. Um, so I'm in the same exact boat. Um, and actually before I saw this, somebody else mentioned it as well. And, uh, you know, we definitely, you know, uh, yeah, site, you know, like a lot of people are having that. If you have noticed that in yours, then, you know, just say yes here in the chat, um, just so that we can confirm that it's happening to, you know, most folks as they are, you know, rolling through their YouTube day. Professor Nez in the house. What's up, man? I hope that you are doing fantastic. ASMR Dream More says, great to know. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of panic <laughs> going around uh, for sure on that. So um, let's see here. Dan, uh, Donnie Boy. 73 super says chat. hey nick thank you for your awesome advice um donnie boy thank you for the super chat i appreciated card focus saying their first time to the live stream welcome tv lemon squeezy their first time as well welcome to the stream kjs also their very first time as well as devil red rums hope everybody's doing great welcome to the live stream so um as we are going to continue through this um i'm just going to answer another question we're going to go from there so I saw some questions about YouTube graphics, how to make YouTube graphics, things like that. So just as a heads up, there's resources out there for you. So there's places like placeit.net, um, who is a channel sponsor. So I love to recommend them just because they're an awesome site. Um, there's also places like canva.com. You can also go to fiber.com and you can have people make, you know, custom stuff for you as well. And then there's other places like, you know, if you're trying to, you know, make your live stream, you know, be presented in a certain way. My brother has a website also called streamertemplates.com to where if you're using, you know, StreamYard or anything where you can just add graphics to it, um, then you can also use those. They're fully customizable graphics as well. Um, but, you know, when you are putting graphics together for your YouTube channel, one thing that I do recommend if you are trying to, you know, make things look professional, if you don't have the experience in terms of design, um, I recommend that you do use, you know, something that that is templated, you know, like place it or Canva or something like that, or that you use something um, like fiverr.com and you have somebody that has some experience making stuff do it for you so that, you know, it looks good, right? So it, it, it represents you in the best way possible instead of having, you know, things that look, you know, really, um, you know, kind of, uh, kind of crazy. LD Tips Hot Guide says, any tips for small channels? So I just saw this one. Normally, I, I want that cue in front of there, but I saw this one, so I just wanted to go ahead and do it. Who here has a small channel? Just give me a hashtag me if you have a, uh, if you have a small channel. And of course, small is always up to interpretation. 
So, you know, because of that, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, just keep that in mind. But um, when it comes to tips for a small channel, um, it's important to know as a small channel, we got a lot of me's coming in. Okay. It's important to know as a small YouTube channel, um, a few different things. One is that YouTube comes with a learning curve, just like any other thing that you're going to get into. Um, it doesn't matter if you're learning how to make coffee from scratch in terms of getting it off the tree, grinding it up, learning what's good and what's bad and all that. It doesn't matter if you're learning fitness, if you're learning music, anything like that, anything you do in life, it comes with a learning curve, even games. So when you first start a game, You've never played it before, even though you might be familiar with, you know, what the controller feels like and just general functions in typical games, there's still, you know, a learning curve for that particular game. You got to find out where things are, places to avoid, places to go to get, you know, all the loot and things like that. Um, and YouTube is in a similar vein. And the reason that I say that is because, you know, if you're just starting your YouTube channel, and you've never made videos before, you're going to have to go through a bunch of stuff. You're going to have to learn how to actually make the video itself. You're going to learn how to, uh, you got to learn how to organize your footage. You got to learn how to edit the videos. You got to learn how to light your videos. You got to learn how to get your audio um, at least to, you know, an acceptable level. If you use audio in your videos, um, you're going to have to learn the actual platform and the back end of the platform. How do you get a video up? How do you optimize that video? Um, you know, there's tons of options inside of your settings. How do you set all those stuff, all those things correctly? And then once you actually start publishing videos, you're going to start getting direct feedback from the people that are interacting with your content. And here's what I recommend if you're a small channel is I recommend that if you are looking in your comment section for direct feedback, that's great. And you should take that as, you know, hey, people are leaving me some feedback on what it is that I'm doing. You should look at that and you should take it and say, okay, is this feedback legitimate feedback or are they like, you know, coming at me or is it something that I need to actually look into that I might need to improve? Uh, so take that feedback, but ultimately what you want to make sure that you're doing as well is that you are in your YouTube analytics, which is on the back end of your YouTube channel. Um, YouTube gives us all of these statistics that let us know how people are responding to what it is that we're doing, the, the non-vocal people, because it's just a small amount of people that are vocal. The majority of people are not. So because of that, you have to take the comments as you know one source of input, and then you have to take your analytics as another source of input, and you have to see how well the comments match up to you know the things people are saying, how well that matches up to what it is that you're seeing in your analytics so that you can make sure that you're making good choices when it comes to the content that you're putting out and that you're making that content in a way that people will respond to it, you know, at the highest level that you can do for the type of content that you make. So, um, so because of that, you know, you want to make sure that you're doing that. Another thing that I recommend is, you know, if you're just getting started, um, I, I really encourage you to focus on more time than anything else on your video content um, in terms of just learning how to make better videos, how to present better, you know, how to actually, you know, get your pacing together for your videos, that sort of thing. Focus on that way more than you do any of the numbers that are happening on your YouTube channel. Because I know everybody here wants to get more views. Everybody wants to get more subscribers. I do too, right? Like, you know, we all do. It's part of the thing. Um, however, the thing that actually makes all of that happen is good content. So because of that, you know, you can't kind of shortcut the good content in order to get to the numbers. You have to put out you know, content that people respond to. And I also want to let you know that, you know, as a small YouTube channel, it might seem like, especially after I just said all of that, it might seem like there's this huge mountain that you have to climb. Um, but all it takes is just a few really good videos or even one really good video. So, you know, in our, uh, in the Nimenati, uh membership group on Facebook, we have one person in there that had one video um, on their YouTube channel. They uploaded literally like one or two videos. They were shorts and those that that video took off and uh, and he got a play button 
from it. So you got 100,000 subscribers from that one video. So I wanna let you know, the reason I'm telling you this is because as a smaller YouTube channel, somebody that's just getting started with all this, it might seem like, man, it's gonna take me forever to get from you know where I'm at to the point that I wanna be, but you know all it takes is you know it, it could happen in your next video um it could happen you know 10 videos from now it could happen 100 videos from now but the idea that i'm trying to express is to work on the craft right work on the craft of making good content and then all of the things that you want from being a content creator that all comes at the back end of crafting the content okay so you know focus really hard on just learning how to make the best possible content that you can for the people that you are trying to reach and when i say the people that you're trying to reach what i mean by that is it's also really important and this is from a marketing standpoint, if you are starting a business, if you're starting a YouTube channel, if you're doing a podcast, if you're building a website, anything like that, it's really important to make sure that you get clarity, that you get clear, that you understand who it is that you are trying to reach with your content. And the reason that that's important is because it also helps you craft everything it is that you're doing. It helps with your video ideas. It helps with your how you're actually putting the content together, the, the, the music that you're choosing with what it is that you do, how you make things look, all of that um, is based also on who it is that you're trying to reach uh, with your content. Hey, Tiger Spreadshirt Solutions, congratulations. They just had a baby and they are checking in from the hospital. So yeah, congratulations to you. High five and fist bump on bringing a new human into the, uh, into the world. Chef uh, Young and D's Kitchen, welcome to your first live stream. Okay, so let's see here. So howdy's, uh, sorry, how's my living? Howdy, howdy's my living. <laughs> how's my living says, we unlist an off topic video that was attracting a majority 55 to 65 plus people, highest viewed video. Now it's 25 to 45. Um, will we see a difference in our views now? Yeah, so basically when you unlist videos that are not a good fit for your YouTube channel, um, what happens there is you start growing the right audience. So let's say that you have that video that was, you know, getting, you know, the, the older crowd and they were coming in and responding, but that's not who you're actually after with your content. Well, every single person that sees that video and they subscribe to your channel or they, you know, go in and watch more of your content, you know, every single one of those people that you're not trying to reach, um, when they come in from that higher performing video, then, you know, it's getting you in front of the wrong people if that's not who you're wanting to reach. So because of that, when you unlist that particular video and the new content or the normal content that you put up is for a lower age range, um, then in that situation, then now you're making content for the people that you are actually trying to reach. And as those people come in and start responding to what it is that you're doing, YouTube is going to start identifying how people are interacting with your videos that are now in that age range with all these different interests based on all the different content they do or do not watch on YouTube and how they interact with it. And then they will start trying to find that right audience for you. All right, <laughs> Deo, I was thinking about it. Deo says, yeah, I was thinking, uh, Nick was gonna say congrats for bringing in a new member of the Niminati. Yeah, I was thinking about it, but I was like, hey, let's just welcome him to earth first, right? Let's, let's let, we got him to earth, right? Or, or he got him to earth. So, uh, so let's, uh, you know, let, let's, let's welcome him to the planet. <laughs> welcome to the planet first. 
Okay, so um, the next question that we have here and then I'm going to jump back into the forum is from Pet Connection International. And I'm just grabbing these, even though I didn't say, hey, let's uh, let's, you know, get some questions in here. Um, and it says, do thumbnails tend to work better with a person in them? I'm going to make pet education videos, so I'm not sure whether or not to include myself in the thumbnails. If you're making videos about pets, I would put the pets in the thumbnails. As your YouTube channel grows and you start to have people start to know you, then in that case, that's when you can start um, considering. I mean, you can always put yourself in your thumbnails, but um, if you want to just make sure that you are focusing them on the thing that they care about the most, which in your case would be the animal that you're that you're teaching, um, then in that case, or the, the animal that you're teaching them about or whatever, then in that case, you wanna focus the imagery on the animal and not on yourself right now. And then once you have an audience to where they'll recognize you, that's where you start A-B testing. And what A-B testing is, is it's where you compare one thumbnail and you upload another, or you have one thumbnail, your original, and then you upload another thumbnail and then TubeBuddy will swap them back and forth and let you know which one performs better in different surfaces and things like that on YouTube. So when you're first getting started, I would just focus them all on the actual animals themselves. And then later, once you have a following, people have seen your face a lot in your videos, then you can go ahead or I mean, you can do it at any time. But then, you know, it, it makes more sense to put yourself in the thumbnail, because then people know you. So here's the thing with some of the some of the information that's out there about um you know about you know faces being in thumbnails um you know people think that information like that is a blanket statement and it's not that information comes from studies based on youtube channels now the thing that you have to consider with some of those studies is that they also pull data from large and experienced youtube channels that have followings of people they know them and since they have that following of people that know them when that person is in the thumbnail that the people know then in that situation you know, it's like, hey, if I see a Philip DeFranco thumbnail, I might click on it just because it's him and I know it's gonna be an entertaining video, not necessarily because of the subject matter of the video or something like that. So it kind of skews that information a little bit. So what I recommend is on your YouTube channel is that you, once you start getting some activity on your channel or if you already have activity on your channel, that you start testing your own thumbnails and seeing, hey, if I put my face in here with this animal or with whatever it is that you make content about for everybody else, if you, uh, you know, test, hey, I'm gonna put myself in it, I'm not gonna put myself in it, it. And then over time, you're going to start to identify the thing that the people that you are reaching with your content, the thing that they respond to most. And a lot of content creators, myself included, I, I put myself in my thumbnails too. Um, but a lot of content creators, you know, they really want to have themselves in the thumbnail. But at the end of the day, what's most important is effectiveness. And if you look through my videos, you're going to see thumbnails that I've tested to where, you know, unfortunately for me, because, you know, I want people to respond to, you know, when they see me, but unfortunately it's not always the case. So if you look through my videos, you'll see some of my thumbnails, they do not have me in them at all. And that's because no matter what I tried with those thumbnails, people just didn't respond, but they responded once I took my face out and I focused them on something else. So I ran with those thumbnails because they're effective, right? Try not to get emotionally attached to any of this stuff because, you know, you need to lean on effectiveness uh, more than anything. Of course, intuition will drive you a little bit too, but you need to lean on, you know, what's effective with what it is that I'm with what it is that I'm doing. Simple designs. Welcome to the Niminati. Welcome to the Niminati. Make sure next time you are on, oh, I almost did it again. Man, that is such an ingrained habit. When you, It's crazy when you say something so many times, how, how much it gets ingrained. Holy moly. Um, but if you just go to NimmonVIP.com, that's going to redirect you. And this is for um, Simple Designs. That's going to redirect you to our members-only Facebook group. Um, make sure that you fill out all the information on the way in because that's how I verify that you are a member there. 
All right. Uh, let's see here. As we keep on going through the list, I'm going to hop back in the form here, and I am going to Ross Baxter. Ross Baxter says they upload when they have time. It's an art podcast channel. Goal of the channel is to help artists find their passions in the film and game industry. Um, the question says, hey, Nick. What's up, Ross? Says, uh, thanks for the streams. As always, really appreciate it. My question is, if you post less, so let's say a video once a month, but the videos have great audience retention, click-through rate, and topic, does YouTube make those videos grow slower since there's not a ton of content to use as momentum? Thanks for your help. No. So if people respond to your content, you can upload one time per month, and you're fine. Um, uh, you know, if you look at channels like, uh, like Kurzakstat, for example, I think I think they're uploading a little bit more now, but for a very long period of time, they uploaded once a month and they just get crushed every time they publish because their content's awesome. Um, if you look at Lucas the Spider, they were publishing you know one time a month and they got crushed because the contents were the content was great, thumbnails were epic. Um, if you look at DJ Cook, same exact thing in his situation, he uploads like one time per month and he just gets crushed with views because people love his content and when they see it's his videos, they go in and they watch them. So you know because of that, you want to you know don't get caught up in the idea of like you have to do, you know, this specific thing with your upload schedule because, you know, it does come down to like how good, you know, how good, how good the content, you know, that you're, that you're putting out. If you can get people to respond to a video a week, then, you know, that can be okay. If you can get people to respond to a video per month, that's okay too. So, you know, it just comes down to how you can fit it all in. Um, and it also, like Roberto Blake says here, what's up, Roberto? I hope that you are doing awesome, my friend. You're more than welcome to come on here in just a little bit if you are available today. Um, I noticed after I closed the stream last week that you said that you might come in uh, towards the end of the last one. So I just want to let you know uh, ahead of time, I'm going to keep an eye out for you <laughs> this time. Um, but Roberto also says, you know, it depends on the content, um, you know, like James Janney. Yeah, great, um, you know, great example of him and Patty um, as well. So, you know, it, it just comes down down to you, you know, being able to put out, you know, content that people respond to at the cadence that you put that content out. And again, like I was saying before, you know, for the new channels, you know, one of the one, you know, for the new content creators that are hanging out here, you know, one of the things uh, that I was mentioning uh, before with the question about, you know, any tips for small YouTube content creators, um, you know, one of the things that I mentioned there was, you know, it all it takes is, you know, a good video or a few good videos to really get the ball rolling for your channel, because those really good videos that people respond to at a higher rate, those videos are going to keep people coming in because YouTube's going to keep showing them to people as long as people keep responding to them. And those videos are just going to keep feeding your channel viewers, and then that's going to end up growing your community um, over time through that. Welcome along, Ryan. Welcome aboard, Ryan. Roger says, good morning, Roberto. Let's see here. Okay, so next up on the list, and really quick, if you're just joining the stream, um, I do want to let you know, because um, I know a lot of people are curious about the um, about the bugs um, in terms of, um, you know, your, your view counts being down, your subscriber counts being all messed up right now. Just a heads up, that is a bug. Um, YouTube, uh, you know, according to their tweet that they put out on Team YouTube, um, that is something that they, you know, are in the process of working on, so it's all good. Don't panic. You know, your, view, your views have not been taken away or anything like that. Um, it's just a, a glitch at this uh, uh, at this moment in time. Um, so our next question here is from Artie Lucas, and this one's coming from the forum, and I'm gonna be hopping into the chat here in just a minute. Um, this one's coming from the forum, and it says, um, it's from Artie Lucas, and says that they do entertainment content. The goal of the channel is to have a successful career as a YouTuber. It says, what's the best website for free music for YouTube videos? Awesome stream, by the way, thank you. Um, so when it comes to music for YouTube videos, if you're looking for free, the only place that I would trust would be the YouTube audio library, or, other places that give you the license to the music. Like I know, for example, um, Harris Heller's Stream Beats. Um, you know, he gives you a license and he gives you a process that says, 
there's a chance that you might get a copyright claim when you use this content. However, if you do, all you have to do is go through these steps and he gives you permission and tells you exactly what it is that you can use um, or what it is that you can do in the event that you do run into uh, you know, an issue. So to be safe, I would use the YouTube audio library or I would use something like that to where you actually get a license with what it is that you do so that you can prove it. Now, one thing that I would not do is I wouldn't take yes and Zen Buster music. Man, I got I can put like a post-it note up here. Yeah, Zimbuster Music as well, which is Roberto Blake's music service. So you have Streambeats and Zenbuster Music as well. Um, Zenbuster Music is actually Roberto's. So you know, if you have a problem, you can just hit up Roberto personally on like Twitter or something and be like, "Hey, dude, had a problem? Help me out here." And then Roberto will help you out. <laughs> All right. So next up on our list, yeah, Epidemic Sound is what I use too uh, normally. Um, you know, because it's a you know like it's a paid service. So because of that, you know, like there's you know like they have a they have a uh you know like license that you can get from that you actually connect your channel to them and all of that you can let them know all of your different channels but you know again it's a paid service and it gets more expensive as you get more activity on your youtube channel as well all right so uh let's see here uh as we keep on going through the list i'm going to grab another one here out of the form and this is from yara gurgis i hope i'm saying your name correctly says that they have been on youtube for less than a month they do music covers the goal of the channel is because i enjoy singing and it's my passion and the question how can i start a singing channel with zero subscribers um you start a singing channel with zero subscribers just like we start every other type of youtube channel um so you start it with a plan of some kind even if that plan is hey i'm just going to a handful of videos and see how it goes <laughs> but you just start it with a plan of some kind once you start it with that plan then you have to go through the process of trying to figure out what you can do to stand out from everybody else that's also you know singing uh, or doing music covers on youtube um, with that said one resource that i recommend that you pay really close attention to if you are doing music covers is uh google trends and the reason for that is because if you pay attention to Google Trends and you can find that at trends.google.com, they're gonna show you all of the music that's trending. They're gonna show you breakout videos. They're gonna show you music that's on the rise, things like that. And you would want to make sure that you're making um, covers of that music as it's coming out for the type of stuff that fits into what it is that you're doing. You wanna make sure that you make covers on that type of music so that you are giving yourself the opportunity to make covers on something that has a heightened awareness at that point in time and that the competition, even though it's going to be fierce because a lot of YouTubers hop on trends. Um, it's not going to be as fierce as like a really established song as an example. So because of that, you definitely want to, uh, you know, make sure that you are, uh, you know, hopping on trends when you get the chance to, um, as long as you can put the content together, you know, in a reasonable amount of time to get it out. All right. So uh, let's see here. Hey, welcome Artscape Adventures. Hope that you are doing fantastic. Welcome to the stream as a first time visitor. All right, so uh, let's see here. Next up on our list, we have. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. Canal Deposit says, how can we get the VP9 codec for YouTube streams? Um, that happens on their end. Um, I'm not sure of a way to actually trigger that or to make that happen. Um, that happens on their end. So I wish I could give you an answer to that, but unfortunately I don't know how to, uh, how to make that happen. Uh, let's see here. Next up on the list, we've got uh, Rootitude Productions. And the question says, I have a stop motion production channel. 
uh, and production channel. I do a lot of skits and Spider-Man themes. My goal is to have fun and make funny content that people like. And the question is, hey, Nick, lately I've been doing, all I've been doing is making spider themes for YouTubers I like and not many skits of stop motions. Do you think it would be smart to branch out with other types of videos like parodies and stuff or keep up with the spider themes? Also, would you like it if I made one about you? Yeah, uh, of course. Yeah, I, I love stuff like that. Um, thank you so much. Be safe, wear a mask in public and get plenty of sleep um, for the safety porpoises. <laughs> he always ends that with porpoises. Um, so basically when, if, if you're getting uh, traction, if you're getting activity from the spider stuff, then, you know, then keep rolling down, you know, keep rolling down that road. Um, if you are, um, let's see here. If you are not getting the results that you want, then this is where experimentation comes in. So if you have the clear plan, you're like, hey, this is what I'm gonna do, but it's just not working out and you've given it enough time, you've put out enough content to actually test it and make sure that that's not gonna be the thing for you, um, then in that case, that's where experimentation comes in. And when it comes to experimentation, all that comes down to is saying, hey, this is what I'm doing right now. Let me um, try to do something like this that is still a good fit for my audience, but it's something different than what I normally do and just see how they like it. And in some cases, those experiments actually turn YouTube channels into really successful YouTube channels because it's still going for the same audience, but it's doing something that is a little bit outside of what the content creator originally planned for. And because they tested it, they find out that, hey, people really like this type of content from me. And then that ends up being the new path that they end up, you know, walking down this channel right here, the, the video, the, you know, my live stream, like this channel right here is a, is an example of that exact thing um, happening with me as well. Uh, let's see here. So absolutely experiment, um, experiment, experiment. Just make sure that you're thinking to yourself, like, you know, if you know who it is that you're after, make sure in terms of who you want to watch your videos, then make sure that you're keeping that in mind with your experimentation so that it's still a good fit for who you're trying to reach. But if you're like, Hey, I don't know, I'm just trying to upload videos and I just want to make stuff that people like, I don't care who they are. Um, then in that case, you know, just running different experiments. And once you find something that people respond to at a higher rate than the other type of content that you do, then that's the thing that you want to, you know, test it, of course keep making some of those videos but if people keep responding to them then by all means you know that that might be the path that you uh that you walk down so when you are experimenting one tip that i do have for you is when you are experimenting make sure that you're experimenting with content that you're cool with doing for you know uh, the foreseeable future in terms of the next six months the next year maybe the next few years because if you have a video pop you're going to be like, oh yeah, I want more of that, <laughs> right? I, I want more of that. So, uh, so then you'll, you know, you'll want to keep making those, those videos, but just make sure when you are doing the experiments, that it's something that you would, you know, like to continue doing in the event people respond to it, uh, you know, massively. So Alex Animate says, should I make a new or unique topics um, or should I use topics that more popular YouTubers view do to get views? Um, so I would mix it up. So I would mix it up. Like when you are the first to do something, um, one, that can be something that can be the thing that puts you on the map. Um, but two, it can also be a little bit limiting because depending on how good you are at getting people to know, um, you know, getting people to click on what it is that you're doing, that video might have a hard time actually getting going. So because of that experiment with the unique content while also using other video ideas or other videos that other content creators have out there, um, using those as inspiration for what it is that you're doing as well. Don't copy them, but you know, if you're like, hey, you know, this content creator that I really enjoy, they made a video about this thing. Um, and I think I could do a better one, or I think I could do one that would, you know, also be funny or whatever it happens to be, then, you know, give it a shot and, uh, and, and see how it turns out. Uh, let's see here, next up on our list. Hit that, see if that still works. 
Five senses of art is our next question. And uh, they've been on YouTube for less than a year. Um, the type of channel says surrounding art topics. And the goal of the channel says art is my hobby and it makes me happy. I wanna create this channel to teach others about how special art is in some way or the other. The question, I'm having trouble with views. I currently have 108 subs. You're actually doing fine, 108 subscribers. You know, you're, you've got 108 people to respond to what it is that you're doing. Um, which is which is a, a, a big positive. It says, um, but the views are unexpectedly decreasing. I used to get 100 to 150 per average, but now I get 40 per average. Kindly give advice or solutions for the same. So here's what you wanna do. Um, one, you need to look into your, like this is where you have to dig in, into your YouTube analytics. And you have to look at when you were getting, you know, 100 um, to 150 views per video, what was going on in the channel? What was the content that you were putting out? What was the details of that content in terms of structure, topic, how it was all put together? You need to look at that compared to what it is that's happening now. And this is gonna take you, like it might take you a day, it might take you a few days to really dig in. But by doing that, what you're gonna do is you're gonna be able to see, like when people were responding to the channel, at a higher rate, this is what was going on, this is how I was doing things, um, compared to what it is that I'm doing right now where I'm not getting as high of a response. Um, before uh, Boom, this is a Samsung uh, G, G9, I think it's called, yeah, it's a G9 uh, monitor. And for those of you that have been watching the stream uh, for a while and you've heard me talk about that monitor arm, I caved. I finally caved, I ordered it, it's still not gonna be here for like two months, um, but I finally caved and I ordered it because I really wanna be able to move this thing around uh, you know, while I'm streaming. So uh, so I caved the other day and I was just like, yeah, you know what, I'm gonna order the, uh, the arm for this puppy. Okay, let's see here, next up on the list we have Pieces to Props, what's up Pieces to Props says, they've been on YouTube for less than six months. Um, the type of channel says I make props from popular movies and anime out of EVA craft foam and show people how to do it. Um, the goal of the channel is to make a community of makers and make a little monies while doing so. A little bit of monies, a little bit of monies while doing so. And the question says, um, hope you're well, Nick. Um, do you think it'd be advantageous to tell um, many steps it is and how to make certain things. For example, uh, make this prop in four easy steps. And should I use graphic between the steps? Also, thank you for the channel review. Um, bought myself a uh, Bauer mic and working on the rest of the audio. Your input will make my next video do well, I'm sure. Okay, so here's the thing. Um, when it comes to like breaking the video down into steps, try it. Try it and see how your audience responds to it. So um, I think that that's a good approach. And the reason I think it's a good approach is because it gives the video structure. So instead of being like, okay, well, you know, here, and then now we're doing this and then this, it gives the video structure. So it's like, hey, first we're gonna do this. And then the next step is that we do this. And then the third step is that we do this. Fourth step is that we do this and so on. So then it gives people a, hey, we're on step two. We got three more steps to go, right? So it gives your video structure when you do put it into actual steps. Um, so I would definitely consider that for sure um, and just see how people respond to it. Do a handful of videos that way compared to the way that you're doing it before and see if you get a uh, better response out of it in terms of retention. Super and just overall response, you know, all the way around. Um, Tommy T's Extreme Coaster says, so I have 5 million views on my channel, but only 17,500 subscribers. Is that normal or bad? So um, converting viewers into subscribers is different for every channel. Um, so, so, you know, you'll have some channels that won't have tons of views, but their conversions will be really high because people just for whatever reason, they just really resonate with that particular content creator. And then you have the other side of the spectrum where, you know, people just get crushed in views, but they have a really hard time converting them into subscribers and you know you'll typically see that on channels where um let's say that you're showing people how to solve like a specific problem but it's not something that people would need to solve on a regular basis like let's say 
Um, what could I use as an example for this one? Let's say that I was setting up my, uh, let's set, say that I was setting up my Alexa, right? And I was just trying to set it up. I don't care about learning additional stuff for it. Like I just wanna be able to like play music and maybe have it, you know, like play some podcasts for me and turn on and turn off some lights and that's it. I don't care about like advanced features. Then in that case, I might just watch an Alexa channel to learn how to actually set it up, but I'm not gonna subscribe because I know I'm not gonna be going there and, uh, you know, on a regular basis trying to, you know, understand more about my device because it's just not that important to me. So because of that, um, that particular channel for me would be one that I would have a low conversion for in terms of them converting me into a subscriber. And then if you have like a comedy channel, on the other hand, if I watch a video and I'm like, oh, that was hilarious. Then in that case, you know, I'm subscribing to that channel because I, I'm like, hey, they just, they totally impressed. I'm going to subscribe. I'm going to go look for more of their content because it's funny. Um, and then in that case, you know, I'm going to watch more of their videos and so on. So, you know, the, the way that people interact with channels, um, it comes down to the actual content type in terms of what it is that they're getting from you. Um, and it comes down to, of course, the creator and if they can resonate with that creator also. So in your case, um, it could just be that, you know, people are loving your content, but it could be based on the actual type of content that you make that you're able to convert people at a lower rate, um, just based on, you know, possibly because you're talking about uh, coasters, it looks like. Um, so if you're like building coasters or showcasing coasters, and I just want to give you a heads up, like coasters is my jam. <laughs> so, so for me, something, a little thing that people don't know is, uh, is I actually collect I collect these. So like when I go to a cool place, um, my brother also, like when he was traveling around a lot before, you know, I came over to Thailand and all that, um, cause he's been like all over the world. Like, uh, you know, one thing that he would also bring is he would bring, uh, he would bring coasters back. Um, to me. And then it started becoming a thing to where like, you know, friends and family, when they would go places, they would bring coasters. So like downstairs, I have this huge box of, uh, of, of coasters and all that. And because we just moved in here, we're still getting like furniture together and all that stuff for, you know, to be able to display, you know, all my coasters and things like that. But that's one of my, uh, you know, that's one of my, that's one of my jams. So if you, if you make content about coasters, um, that's pretty awesome. So I just wanted to, uh, just wanted to say that really quick. So high five to you for that. Um, but in terms of, you know, conversion them over. Um, I think you're fine. Um, but you know, just keep in mind that there are different factors um, that do, you know, get people to convert based on the content and the content creator as well. But um, some things you can experiment with is you can go in or not experiment with but that you can see is if you go into your YouTube analytics, um, you can actually sort by the videos that drive you the most subscribers. And then you can start, you know, breaking those videos down to where you can get a percentage off off of them and then you can start to understand that when i make videos about these things people subscribe more than when i make videos about these things ultimately what you want is views but if you're trying to grow your subscriber count as well um then in that case you want to make sure that you are uh you know paying attention to those uh you know to those sorts of uh those things like hey people they subscribe to these videos um they watch these videos for longer periods of time they click on these videos more these videos over here they don't respond to them as well they still might respond but they just don't respond to them at at as high of a level as they do you know the the the, the other content that you have but you can see all that in your analytics Oh, you do roller coasters, not drink coasters. <laughs> Super chat. Okay, got it. So I, so I was off, completely off on uh, on that one compared to uh, drink coasters. Super chat. Uh, Brockton uh, Magnet Fisher says, um, I watch you, your bro, and Roberto Blake. 
Um, uh, um, because of you, I always tell everyone we should focus on our content and not the amount of subscribers. Brockton, thank you for watching all of our content. Thank you for the super chat and thank you for spreading the word because, you know, at the end of the day, you know, like the thing that makes and, and people, you know, they look at this stuff in a, in a backwards kind of way because, you know, everybody's like, you know, hey, I, I just want to get, you know, like quick views and I just want to get quick subscribers. Um, and, you know, everybody wants that. I mean, you know, like everybody, when you do anything, like, you know, like, like if all of a sudden, because, you know, I picked up some pounds over the last year. So if all of a sudden, you know, I'm like, if I start going to the gym, of course, I want to go to the gym once and walk out of there, you know, a bunch of pounds lighter and a lot more fit. But unfortunately, you know, I got to do a lot more work in order to make that happen. So, um, you know, YouTube is in a similar way and it's important for people to um, kind of shift their perspective on instead of like, hey, I'm, I, you know, I, I just want to get a bunch of views and subscribers real quick, focusing on like, hey, how can I put together just a really good piece of content that somebody's really going to enjoy? How can I make this content, you know, valuable to other people? How can I make, you know, how can I put something together that people are going to love and want to keep coming back to my channel for? Like when you focus on those things, those are the things that cause all of the other things to happen. Those are the things that cause you to get more views. Those are the things that cause you to, you know, get more subscribers and to grow the channel and to get brand deals and do all of the things that people want to do when it comes to YouTube. So super cool. <laughs> Professor Ness says they're called Corona calories. Nice. That's exactly, yeah, that's exactly uh, Corona calories, but I'll just call them cookies. <laughs> like call them whatever you want. I'll just call them like cookies and pizza. That's what I'm going to call them. <laughs> cookies and pizza. Okay. So uh, Shaw Tech, thank you super for the, uh, the super chat there. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm calling them cookies. Corona calories is one thing. I'm calling them cookies and pizza. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So uh, why doesn't YouTube make all videos VP9 so gaming videos don't look so pixelated sometimes? I'm going to take a gander at this. I don't know for sure, but I'm going to take a gander and just say that it's probably just due to processing required in order to make all that happen. Um, you know, they probably prioritize some content over other content or something like that just based on, you know, what's happening and, and what it's bringing back to YouTube. Um, and I again, I don't know that um, for a fact. Fact, but you know you typically see the lower resolution problems the non vp9 stuff happening on you know, like newer channels um and then when a channel's more um experienced then typically you'll see you know the 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 the, the better one there um pest control nut says what is better to make money on youtube views or subscribers um views but subscribers do play a part on it depending on your strategy for monetization so um of course uh you know like if you are selling something personally um like hey i've got this website um you know like i actually have a website tubertools.com where you can go and buy stuff so there in that case you know i would just need views if i made a video about tuber tools like i just need views um i just need people to to see that video so that they can know that that website exists now if i'm uh, trying to get a brand deal then in that case the consistent view count important but also the subscriber count carries weight as well you know like for example you know uh like for my content um you know like uh you know, the, the brand deals that I've been able to work out with my content. Um, if I had, you know, 10 subscribers on my YouTube channel, then, you know, there's a really good chance that, you know, I mean, I can just guarantee that I wouldn't, you know, have gotten those deals because I didn't get them until, you know, recently. So, you know, because of that, you know, those things do come into play, but ultimately when you get the views, those are the, you know, the view counts are the things that make everything else happen. Like if you're not getting views, you can't get subscribers 
right? But if you're getting a lot of views, some of those people, maybe a lot of those people are gonna convert into a subscriber. So because of that, like views um, is the thing that trumps, you know, it trumps everything. Um, because then you can make money with ad revenue, you can make money from sponsorships, you can make money through anything that you're bringing awareness to, you know, as an affiliate um, or any of your personal products, anything like that. So views is definitely the thing that, that matters the most um, when it comes to, you know, generating an income from your YouTube channel. And that income can be, you know, like a full-time income or it can be, you know, side money or whatever it happens to be. But, you know, it, it, it all takes views. Super Artscape Adventures by Lisa Lisa says, um, what's the best way to create eight-hour videos without a long total process of days? Um, so if you are going to make an eight hour video, you're going to have to render down that eight hour video. Um, another option that you can do is depending on the video itself or what it is that you're doing, technically you might be able to live stream that. Um, like if you are putting together like a sequence of videos, then you could, you know, put those into a, a playlist and like VLC and, uh, and then you could stream that playlist. And then as you're streaming that playlist, it would be recording to YouTube. And then you would be able to, and by playlist, I just mean a playlist of videos. Um, and then you could download that back um, from YouTube. And technically you could even do that unlisted um, if you wanted to. So if you didn't want to put the, the render time on your own computer, um, then that would be a way to do it. Um, outside of that, you are going to, you know, the only options that I can think of off the top of my head is that, you know, you would need to put together eight hours worth of clips and then you would just need to walk away from your computer for a while and uh and just let it render out uh you know all of that all of that footage uh let's see here so beanie draws i saw it up here says um so what you're saying is i need to release a line of coasters <laughs> got it i actually like coasters so thanks for the idea yeah, I've already got I've already got a beanie shirt. So you make coasters, you know I'm ordering uh, you know I'm ordering from you beanie. I've already got one of your shirts. Uh let's see here. So as we keep going down this list, we've already got that one taken care of. Um S uh Shawtech says you inspired me to start my YouTube. Hey, that's Super awesome. Track. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic to see that. So with your YouTube channel, if you are just getting started on your channel, um, you know, just be patient, make sure that you're putting in the work, trying to, you know, just day in, day out, trying to learn how to make your content better, how to make thumbnails better, how to make titles better, because those are the things that are going to do everything else, right? So just spend your days, you know, figuring out how to, how to get people to click on thumbnails, how to get people to click on titles and how to make your content as engaging as humanly possible. Oh, we got Benji in here too. Benji Travis also in the house. What is up, Benji? I hope that you are doing fantastic today. Thanks for swinging by the stream um, here in just a little bit in about, uh, I don't know, about an hour or so. I'm going to be putting the link out. So you are also more than welcome to hop in here also, if you would like. Uh, let's see here. Professor Nez is saying Benji rocks Clubhouse. How many people here in Clubhouse? Just give me a hashtag me if you are on Clubhouse. And while that's happening, I'm going to answer another question here out of the forum, and then we will hop right back into the chat again. So out of the forum, we have Uncooked Fishing. Uncooked Fishing says um, they do fishing content. Who would have known? Who, who could have known? <laughs> says uh, the goal of the channel is to let viewers see my unique content. And the question is, I'm getting plenty of views and nearly a thousand hours of watch time, but subscribers are low. Please advise. Um, so one thing you got to think about is when you are putting out content, you're getting views. You got to think, hey, what, you know, what is it about my content that would make somebody want to subscribe? Or what is it that's missing that would make somebody want to subscribe to my content? All also consider the type of content. So when it comes to people wanting to subscribe, that 
excuse me, that comes down to the value that they're getting or the potential value that they're going to get out of your YouTube channel. Or, you know, if they look and they go to your channel page and they see you got a bunch of content on there already and they're like, you know, wow, I got I want to come back and watch all of this stuff or at least some of it or all of this looks useful. Let me subscribe here. Then that's a way to, you know, generate subscribers as well as your content library gets bigger. Um, but if you are trying to be, you know, like like, hey, let's let's dig in here and, and actually, you know, see if I can get my conversions higher Then little things that you can do. Um, YouTube has a grouping feature in your YouTube analytics, um, and you can use that grouping feature to experiment with different calls to action, to experiment with where um, or when I should say in your video content, you're asking people to subscribe. You can also do it with um, like, you can test different ways that you ask people to subscribe. You can test verbally asking people versus adding graphics to your videos, asking people to subscribe. You know, you can test all that stuff. So, you know, if you put together, you know, 10 videos for one or five videos at least um, for one and then five videos for the other and then five videos for the other, and then just start looking for on a percentage basis on which ones converted people higher, then, you know, test it a few more times to confirm that, you know, it wasn't a fluke of some kind that altered those numbers. And once you get that confirmation, then you can say, hey, you know, when I do these things in my videos, then it ends up converting people, you know, um, into subscribers for me at a higher rate. But your, your grouping feature and your YouTube analytics can be used for all types of things like that. You can use it for your intros of your videos. You can use it for your subscribe call to actions. You can use it for specific calls to actions that you use in your end screens. When you're trying to get people to click on, you know, that next video or that next playlist in your end screen, you can use your grouping feature to that to say, when I say these, when I say it this way, people click into that playlist more versus when I, you know, make the recommendation this way um, where people click into it less. Um, you know, you can use it for those sorts of things. You can also do it where you are, um, where you group videos together based on the specific end screen elements. So, you know, hey, if I, if I, um, you know, put, uh, playlist um, on, you know, a handful of videos versus I put a single video on a handful of videos, you know, which ones do people, you know, click on, you know, more um, on the end screens, little, little things like that. Ron Strains and Things says, Super Chat. My niche tends to be seasonable. My views are subscriber, uh, my views and subscriber rate tend to drop um, by almost half in the summer. Any, adva uh, any advice for fighting the summer slump? Um, so Ron, in your case, man, I would be trying to build that up before the summer. Um, just trying to get people involved more with what it is that you're doing, things like challenges and that sort of thing. So if you have like a big drop off in the summertime, then, you know, as you approach summer, which I guess we're almost there now, but um, as you approach summer, you could start like a three month, um, you know, challenge for your viewers to where maybe you're involving them more, maybe you're highlighting their, um, their train sets um, on your channel, that sort of thing, um, to where you're trying to get the community more involved in what it is that you're doing. So they have, you know, an additional reason to come back to your channel in addition to the content that you're putting out. Um, you could try, you know, things like that in order to try to get people coming in on the downtime. Um, but one thing that I would do in your case specifically is I would go into Google Trends and I would just see topically um, if if your content with like model trains and stuff, and just, I would do some research there to see if there's typically, you know, just drops in that type of content anyway um, during, you know, the summer months. If you find that it's not, um, or that it is either one, I would still try to, you know, try to get your community involved in that sort of thing um, so that you can make your channel a priority over the other channels that are similar to yours, um, or they talk about things uh, that are similar to yours um, that are not getting the community involved and see if that helps at all bringing people back. 
Slot Sister Super says, chat. I have a casino slot channel for entertainment. No premiere or live streams as of yet. Any suggestions on me doing a one-year anniversary premiere or live? Um, so if you are doing a one-year anniversary uh, premiere or live on your channel, if it was me, I would do it all. I would do a live stream. Um, I'm, you might be able to tell that I'm a little bit biased towards the live streams. Um, but for me, I would do um, the live stream. And the reason for that is you would just be able to have that, you know, that direct interaction with the people that are um, watching your videos. And it's those people that you would want to celebrate that anniversary with. So because of that, um, I would do a live stream just so that you can have that direct interaction. You could take, you know, thank people personally by, you know, saying their their usernames, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, for anybody that comes into the chat, you know, just, just acknowledging them and uh, just letting the community, you know, celebrate that with you through the live stream. Because you can do it in chat in a premiere, um, but, you know, with the live stream, it's just a different experience. And if you normally don't do live streams on your channel, then it makes it an even bigger thing um, to where it's like, hey, you know, we're having this big celebration, come and hang out. Um, so for that, um, personally, if it was me, um, I would do I would do the live streams. Uh, let's see here as we go down the list. Uh, Ty B. Trollin says, please answer my super chat about buying super subs. Chat. Let me see if I saw that here. Um, I'm not sure if you put that in the form or if it was a super chat here, but, uh, but I will, as I see it, I will, uh, see it. Um, the ADHD gardener says, what do you think about drop shipping? Um, interesting question. Um, but when it comes to drop shipping, um, that is a, you know, business that people get into just like, you know, all kinds of, you know, Amazon FBA and all that other stuff as well. Um, fortunately, um, pre situation that we're dealing with in the world right now, um, I have, uh, a lot of people around me in terms of the area that I live in that do drop shipping and Amazon FBA and all that stuff. So there's like constantly workshops and things like that pre you know, pre situation that we're dealing with right now. Um, but because of that, um, I actually was able to pick up, you know, a little bit of knowledge because I go into things like that sometimes. Um, but I think drop shipping is cool as long as, you know, like everything else, as long as you do it right, um, you know, drop shipping can be, uh, can be really cool. Um, let's see here. Benji dropping the big one. Thanks, dude. I appreciate it. Super says, what's your opinion on YouTube shorts? And if you would start a second channel or keep them on your main channel, thanks for the great support you give this community. I was going to send this even before you shouted me out, by the way. <laughs> so, um, on YouTube shorts, um, I think that YouTube shorts, as long as you think that, uh, that, you know, like, Hey, if I put out a, you know, one minute piece of content on my YouTube channel or 30 seconds, whatever it is, um, if I put out either of those on my YouTube channel, it's just like a quick hit and it's something that my audience will enjoy and the people that see that short um, based on the the content of that short um, those people you know would subscribe to my YouTube channel through this content and might keep coming back then you know having it as part of you know the content that you publish on your channel I think is fine um, but if you start you know just like flooding it with just kind of all I mean you know this already but I'm just saying for everybody else that's that's watching you know if you start flooding it with stuff that is more in tune with like you know hey entertainment content does really good in shorts. So because of that, even though I don't have an entertainment channel, I'm going to put out entertainment content so I can try to get that quick hit of some views um, for the people that are taking that approach. Um, I think that that could work against you, but as long as everything is in alignment with the content that you're putting out, um, I think it's fine. And uh, one thing that I um, do have some small concerns with is that, you know, if you are doing short content, but then you have, you know, your typical um, content is longer form, then in that case, that short audience might not be the perfect fit. But of course, you know, depending on the content, they might be. So because of that, you know, the experimentation is definitely worth it um, on, you know, on a, on a current channel or doing a completely different channel for it. So for, for those of you that know about the channel that I had a long time ago, my All Our Questions channel, 
I'm considering just turning that into a shorts channel because I love making that content. I love that channel. I love the whole concept of it, um, but I'm considering, I don't know if I will, but I'm considering um, turning that into just all shorts content um, because then that would be great candy for the short shelf. Um, it would be relatively easy content for me to make in terms of the time commitment required. Um, and because of that, um, you know, I'm, I'm considering actually turning that one into uh, just, just putting out shorts uh, for that one. I don't know if, I don't know if I will, but if I do, um, it would just be shorts content there and I would no longer do uh, long form content. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, overall, um, I think that, you know, shorts as an experimentation thing is good, but I don't think that you should completely flood a channel with shorts, especially if it goes against what it is that you're trying to do. So, you know, like in, in, in a situation where you are, um, you know, trying to bring awareness to something, you're trying to help people, um, you know, something like that, um, then, you know, if you are, if you have that, you know, one minute, then you might not be able to, uh, you know, really fully share with people what you need to. Um, and because of that, you would need to get them to your YouTube channel. So as long as you you, you know, have the calls to action there for people to subscribe and, you know, the content's a good fit for them and they would be a good fit for your channel through that shorts content, then I think it's fine. Uh, let's see here. Lovely scrub. Thank you for the super chat. Super chat. Says, but make regular gaming content, but also video game rap songs. Should I make a second channel for the video game rap songs? First, lovely scrub. Send me a DM on Twitter because I want to see video game rap songs. I've never seen that before. So I think that's a great idea. Um, so yeah, send me a DM on Twitter just because I want to look at your channel. Because <laughs> I like I, I can't pull it up right now, um, but I just want to look at your channel because I just think that's awesome. Video game rap songs. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, if you have gaming content and you think that, you know, the novelty of the video game rap song would be a good fit for the people that are, you know, coming to your YouTube channel, then by all means, I would experiment with putting them on your YouTube channel. Um, but if you find out that like, hey, every time I put these, like people just do not watch these, um, then in that case, then I would start your own channel uh, for that so that you can ha just create this entire uh, archive of, of, of uh, video game related rap songs. I think that's awesome. Um, I talked to other YouTubers, so not just me. Um, the views Super have been really low lately. Is that part of the YouTube glitch? I'm not sure um, if that is or not. The, the glitch that I'm talking about is, uh, you know, if you were to log into your analytics right now, as long as the problem's still there, I know it was for me before the stream. I'm going to look and see if it still is. Um, but if you log into your YouTube analytics right now, um, there's a really good chance that you're going to see big holes um, in it. So yeah, it's still there. So um, so because of that, that's the issue um, in terms of, you know, how your videos are, you know, getting put out there. Um, that might end up being a correction later to where you might actually have more views on those videos. I'm not sure, um, but I don't have I don't have any information one way or the other for that to actually make that connection and say, yeah, you know, that's the that's the thing. Uh, let's see here. Uh, what's the difference between making videos daily versus two a week? Um, well, if you make a video daily, you're making videos every single day. It's going to take up, you know, a decent amount of, um, you know, energy in order to, uh, make those. Um, and if you are doing it every week, then in that case, you are able to focus more on that one specific content and just put more time and, and love and energy into that one piece of content, um, compared to every single day. Um, at the end of the day, um, one of the things that YouTube says is it doesn't matter to them if people enjoy one long video or a bunch of short videos, as long as you keep people watching and you keep people engaged on the platform, it doesn't matter. Um, so if you're doing, you know, daily uh, content, if you're doing every other day, if you're doing weekly, like your channel can do awesome in any of those situations, as long as people are responding to what it is that you're doing. Hey, one brick at a time. Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Let me check my Twitter, actually. 
Looks like we got some looks like we got some Twitter love going on here. We got one brick at a time. Let me share this here really quick. Just giving us some love uh, over here on Twitter. Right there, one brick at a time, showing off some of the uh, so I see I see R2D2 hanging out on the corner. Looking good. We got all kinds of uh, you know good collectibles over there. So uh, so are, are those all Legos? They are. Hold on. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. These are all. Oh my gosh, they're all Legos. One brick at a time makes sense. Yeah, those are super cool. So thank you for sharing that one brick at a time, and thank you for bringing it to my um, attention here. And as a matter of fact, there were um, there's another one that I saw in here also from the uh, pest control nut. So I just want to um, also thank uh, pest control nut for sharing this out to Twitter as well. Um, spreading the love there, I appreciate it. So. Um, let's see here. Next up here on our list, as we keep on going down through this thing here, um, we've got apps that rule in the house. What's up, man? Hope you're doing great. Um, see so here. Please check uh, channel Archit Monsoon, not this one. Oh, okay. You're saying to look at your channel. We're not actually looking at channels during the uh, live stream. Uh oh, Chatty Kathy's feeling sassy. Everybody, get ready. Get ready. Chatty Kathy's feeling sassy. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. I just I just saw that. So I was like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. Um, do fake subs impact my exposure and reach? So if you have subscribers, you know, let's let's actually let's combine this and the other question. So there was another question that popped up um, saying something about seeing a super chat where they were asking a question about um, buying subscribers. So let's let's talk about those two things right here. So the very first part is um, is let's talk about the buying subscribers. So you do not want to buy subscribers for your YouTube channel under any circumstance. And the reason for that is because it's against the uh, the community guidelines of YouTube and you can lose your channel because of it. Two, if you are um, if you are buying subs and you're like, hey, I'm just gonna do it anyway, um, and you do buy subscribers, it's important to know that those subscribers are gonna be inactive, which is going to put you in a situation here like um, uh, Ty B trolling. But in terms of, you know, do fake subscribers impact your exposure and reach, one thing to keep in mind is that when you publish your videos, YouTube, if they just recently subscribed, YouTube might test some of your videos against those bot accounts. And I'm saying bot, B-O-T, not bot. Um, but those bot accounts, because that's usually what you get when you buy subscribers or when you have fake subscribers. So they might test your content against them, but they're not going to click. And then that's going to impact, uh, impact your click-through rate, which especially when you're first getting started and there's not a lot of data on your channel in terms of who is a good fit for your content, then that can really work against you. So because of that, you want to make sure that you're not buying subscribers and when it comes to inactive subscribers that's a totally different thing than fake subscribers fake subscribers would be something that you would get from like sub for sub because they don't care about your content they just subscribe because they wanted something in return which means that they are a fake subscriber they're not a legitimate subscriber um so because of that you know the same exact thing can happen there to where those people can get presented your content and then they end up not clicking on it and then youtube deems that as hey these are the people that are interacting with the channel they're not they're not clicking on any of the stuff they're not watching it so because of that you know let's let's put something else out there show something else in place of this video that you know people do respond to uh let's see here as we keep on going through this uh let's see here okay 
So next up on our list, and I'm going to pull this one from the forum. And if you're just joining us, I do want to let you know that what we're doing right now is we are um, we are basically talking about YouTube, and we're talking about all the different things you know related to YouTube and being a content creator. And I'm also um, answering questions. So I'm answering those questions directly out of the chat here. Um, and when it's time, I mean, people are just doing it anyway. So if you have a question, you can just put a cue in front of it. Just don't get too like if I don't see it, um, don't just keep, you know, hammering away at the question. Just give it a little bit of time first um, before you drop it in there again. Um, but I'm also pulling them from the form that is linked down in the description below. Um, so that's where I'm pulling the um, that's where I'm pulling the uh, questions from. So uh, let's see here. Uncooked fishing. Did I do this one already? Yeah, I did. Okay, so let me skip on to the uh, next one here. So next one in our list here is from Exciting Electronics. And Exciting Electronics says uh, they do review and how to. The question is that they, or the goal of the channel is to teach others about tech. Um, and the question is any tips on subscribers? Absolutely. Make content worth subscribing to and people will subscribe to your YouTube channel. Add value. If you focus on adding value through the content that you provide, and that value can be people learning something, that can be that you're entertaining people in some way, um, that can be that you're getting people all fired up or that you're helping people think in a different way, that you're challenging the way that they kind of, their worldview, that kind of stuff. Um, when you are putting out content where people are getting value and the value is, you know, it's all interpreted differently. But um, when it comes to your content, you know, when people can clearly see the value in it, then right out of the gate, you're, you're gonna start getting more subscribers um, converted over because it's clear the value that you're offering. This is why myself and other people who make content like me, like Benji, for example, that's in the chat, like Roberto Blake, who was in the chat, um, you know, for other people to make content like me, this is why we're always telling you things like, hey, it's really good practice to make sure that it's clear what it is that you're offering on your YouTube channel. And the ways that you can do that is, of course, you can do it through your channel art on your channel page itself. The videos that you have on your channel are also gonna speak to the type of content that you put out, but also letting people know in the video content that you put out content like that on a regular basis can also be advantageous because you're spreading awareness that you do that on that, con that content that they're currently enjoying on a regular basis. So you're adding clarity to each video in terms of what it is that you offer. So, you know, because of that, you know, if you are, trying to get more subscribers on your YouTube channel or convert the people that you already have into subscribers, what you want to do is you want to look at, okay, the people that are watching this, like how clear is it that, 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 you know, th that I do this on a regular basis and how clear is it to them what it is that they get out of the video and how can I kind of put a big spotlight on the value that people get um, from the content that I put out. So one of the things that I used to do and I'm going to start doing it again, I think, because um, I was doing, you know, some more research and um, I was actually converting people at a higher rate when I was doing it is, um, uh, you know, I used to in every single video, I would say, um, you know, if this is your first time here and you want to learn how to grow your channel, make videos and all types of other YouTube related stuff, start now by subscribing and clicking the bell so you don't miss anything. I took it out because I was like, hey, I'm just going to get people into the content. You know, my channel's doing fine. I'm just going to get people into the content. Um, but by doing that, my conversion into subscribers was much higher on those videos where I was doing that compared to the ones that I don't. Um, so, you know, because of that, you know, just keep in mind that all I was doing in that situation was I was just letting people know that, hey, these are the problems that you have and this channel, the content that I'm making is going to help you solve those problems. So I was just adding clarity to what it is that I was doing and I was letting people know through each video because not every person that watches your video has looked at your YouTube channel. Some people, most people, People haven't even seen the channel before. So because of that, you know, when you let people know that you have an entire channel based on the, the stuff that they're interested in, then, you know, that's a way that you're spreading that awareness to get people to uh, subscribe more. 
but it's about value and making it crystal clear what it is that you are offering. That's why when I start these live streams, welcome to Nimmin Live, the number one place on the internet to learn about YouTube, right? So that, you know, when people come into this on the replay, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, this is, whoa, what's this? Let's, let's kind of skip around here. Let's take a look at this and see what this is about. That's the idea. Um, okay, so let's see here. Next up on our list. So I'm gonna pull these from the chat. Let's, let's do this next question here from the chat. I'm looking for cues here. Um, do, 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 do. Okay, let's just grab this one. It says, uh, my YouTube channel reflects that I have 851 subscribers, yet my YouTube studio reflects that I have 843. Um, why are these numbers so far apart? Noticed it yesterday, but I thought it would update it today. So right now, just as a heads up, YouTube is having a glitch um, where some view counts and subscriber counts, things like that are just being uh, weird in general. Um, some of them aren't even showing up. So there's one thing. But two, um, another thing that I just want to bring to your attention in general is that I was having this conversation with Brian G. Johnson actually last week, because um, because we, my, Brian G. Johnson and I, will meet up online from time to time, and we just talk about life and stuff. But we also talk about you know like hey how you know we have these ideas that we're trying to communicate. How can we can communicate them better? And you know what things do people need to know right now and that kind of stuff based on the stuff that we see going on around the internet. So because of that, um, one of the things that we were talking about is how you know people focus a lot on this sort of thing right to where and, and it's good to notice right i'm not saying i'm not taking away from it um because it is good to notice these types of things but you know one thing you'll see is you know um he'll get them i'll get them and other people who make content like me will get them as well to where you know you'll get emails from people saying hey you know my my creator studio says that i have you know um 851 views but um you know when i look at it on a on a computer it says that i have 843. i'm just using that as an example with your numbers because it's on the screen um but basically the conversation between he and I is, you know, when people are focusing on that kind of thing, they're, they're, they're thinking like way down here in terms of like the things that they can be spending their energy on. Because when it comes to, you know, um, you know, getting results on YouTube and, and just, you know, putting the effort into your content and, you know, learning all this stuff and just doing the YouTube thing, you know, you have a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of time that you are dedicating to specific things based around what it is that you're doing on YouTube. So because of that, you know, for every minute that you spend thinking about, you know, um, and I'm, and again, I'm not, I'm not picking on you here because it's good that you've noticed this, but I'm just saying in general, cause we get this a lot. Um, but one of the things that, um, that, that, uh, that, that from, from my point of view is that, you know, when you're, when you're focused on those things, you're thinking down here when really what you should be thinking about is, okay, this is, this is what I did in my last video. Um, according to my audience retention reports, this is how people responded to that last video. So what can I do in this next video that I'm working on to make it a little bit more interesting, to make it a little bit more engaging? How can I make my hook better, um, in my videos? What can I do to make my thumbnail better to where the people that I'm trying to reach with this are going to be able to clearly identify what it is that um, that this video is about based on just the one image that I have in my thumbnail. Like, how can I make that better? How can I make my title better to deeply connect with the people that I'm trying to reach? How can I use my title for that? Right? When you start, when you start kind of rearranging or, or reprioritizing the questions that you're asking in terms of order of importance, then things like this, even though it's good to pay attention to, things like this end up way low on the list because that's not the type of thing that one you can take any action on at all. Um, but in addition. To to that it's not the type of thing that's going to make any significant change on your youtube channel as a whole whereas if you're thinking of what can my next video be about that that the people that i'm trying to reach would really love um how can i put that together that video together in a way that they'll really love it how can i put a a, a thumbnail and a title on that video that people are going to clearly understand it's for them and that they're going to want to click on it and that you spend that extra time that you spend on things like this you spend that time on you know those higher level tasks so that you can really get the ball rolling 
on the channel um, instead of you know instead of focusing on those things that you know that are uh, that are of a much lower uh, importance. And again, you know, it's good that it's good that you're, you know, that, that you're paying attention to those sorts of things. But the thing that's actually going to, you know, move the needle for you on YouTube um, is your content. So because of that, you know, it's good to make sure that you're just focusing that that energy that you have on on, you know, the content and, you know, how you're going to make that impact versus, you know, things that are happening within the within the system that you don't have control over. In my opinion. Uh, Iron Wolf. Welcome to the Nimenati. So uh, go to nimenvip.com. That's going to redirect you to our members-only Facebook group. When you get there, make sure you fill out all the information on the way in because um, that's how I verify that you are a member on the way in. Um, let's see here. Uh, that's my type of question right there. That's what I'm talking about. Does anybody know what day comes after Wednesday? Uh, I don't know. Got me there. I'm not sure. Thursday? Is it Thursday? <laughs> Brian G in the house. What's up, dude? Was just talking, uh, was just was just talking about you. Jade, how's popcorn feeling? And has D forgiving you for not showing him popcorn first? So yeah. So first, just in case for those of you that don't know this, so um D, my brother, um, he was watching the live stream. He was just lurking. He wasn't participating in the chat, but he found out about popcorn, which is my new dog. Um, he found out about popcorn from watching my live stream instead of me actually sending him a message saying like, hey, you know, I got a new dog, which, uh, which uh, you know, shame on me for, for, for doing that. But in addition to that, popcorn had an adverse reaction to a rabies shot. And uh, because of that, um, he actually went to shock um, a handful of times, but uh, we got him medicine and all that stuff. And he's fine now. He's running around like a crazy person or a crazy dog right now. So he, popcorn is awesome. And yeah, D, D has forgiven me, at least so I know. So I know. He, he might. I don't know. He, he might. I don't know. <laughs> Brian, man, also, I hope that you're having a good time at, uh, I think it's, you're in Yosemite, I think. Hope you're having an awesome time there, um, you know, taking pictures and making some cool videos over there. But yeah, he's he's all good now though. So we are, uh, you know, we're back in full force uh, now. So next question that we have here is from Squididity, and Squididity says they have gaming content. The goal of the channel says I like to make videos. And the question, um, how to get my channel to be more popular? Um, the way that you get your channel to be more popular is you come up with video ideas that a um, you know certain group of people would be interested in. You make that particular video um, as good as you possibly can, um, and you try not to cut quarters as much as possible with that content because YouTube, just like any other form of entertainment or education, you know it's a it's a process, um, and it's also something that people respond to in certain ways. So you know if you're watching Netflix, all of the content on Netflix is you know content that they put together in ways that are proven to keep people watching and enjoying that content. Some of it sucks, but some of it's awesome. And, uh, you know, YouTube's the same exact way. There's so many content creators on YouTube that you have to come to play. And what I mean by come to play is that you have to put out content that is at least competitive for the platform because there's so many good creators to watch that you have to make sure that when you're coming in, that you are going through the process of learning how to make good content for your channel so that you can compete on the um, so you want to make sure that you're spending as much time as possible learning how to make thumbnails, learning how to write titles, learning how to, you know, edit videos, learning how to actually create the content itself. If you're on camera, learning how to be engaging for whatever that means for your personality, um, learning how to, you know, just put the entire package together um, so that you can create an awesome experience for the people that are going to interact with your content. 
Uh, let's see here. Alvy Cat Channel. Yes. This is um so basically that th that that's a glitch that's going on on YouTube right now um and it is site wide um uh, to my understanding it's site wide um so you know it's all good you know you didn't you're not having an issue personally um it's a, it's a site wide problem um so uh so it'll be it'll be resolved soon I mean I think maybe they're just going to walk away and be like ah you know what we'll just let them you know not have all those views whatever you know maybe you know what this shot I adjusted this shot for a video yesterday and I think, nope, there we go. Much better that way, I think. That's a little bit weird, though. There we go. See, I'm trying to get this stormtrooper in here. There we go. I got his head in there. So this shot's a little bit weird now because I adjusted it before, but hey, we're going to roll with it anyway. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Next up on our list, really quick, um, if you have a question, let's just go ahead and uh, drop that question in here. So this is a great one. So what can you do when, you're, when your channel is dying? So when your channel is dying, it's important to make sure that that you go in and you figure out why it was thriving when it was thriving and why it's not doing so now. Um, typically, that will come down to the choices that you've been making. It can come down to your consistency. Um, it can come down to you making a shift at some point um, in the line to where people responded to you, um, to your content better, you know, how you were doing it before compared to what it is that you're doing now. But inside of your YouTube analytics, they have a compare option and you can compare by date range. So what you wanna do is you wanna just look at the content that is happening now, look at the content that was happening before and start looking at things like, okay, for, um, you know, audience retention, you know, how, how were people responding to it? How was I able to get people to click? How many people were coming back to the channel on a regular basis before compared to now, you know, those sorts of things, but you can uncover all of that in your analytics. Halfinity says, what are your thoughts on showing the microphone on camera versus having the boom mic overhead? Um, I like having the boom mic, oops, wrong one. I, I like having the boom mic overhead um, because you don't see it. However, um, I like the sound of having it right here because you get that you know that all that presence happening on the microphone when it's when it's close like that um so i think it looks better when you don't see it but i think it sounds better um in most cases when you you know when it's right up close to you because then you get that proximity effect um so because of that um you know that's why that's why i have it here uh on mine like i've got all the stuff like i could definitely put you know the mic up here um but i just like that proximity effect here um and i think also it depends like you know, like, for example, in my video content, you know, you don't see the mic um, in the unless it's a tutorial or something, then you might. Um, but in my normal video content, you don't see the mic because, you know, I want it all clean. Um, but for the live streams, I think it I think it fits um, in terms of the uh, live streams. Unearth Compassion, I did not, um, but I will. You know what? I see it right here, actually. So Unearth Compassion, thank you for bringing that Super to my attention, trash. says um let's see here started a guided meditation channel one month ago wondering if you have any specific advice the channel goal is to help people cultivate compassion so first off i want to say that what you're doing is awesome um i am i meditate as well and i just want to give you a high five for making that type of content and a fist bump um just because it's awesome so, because in my opinion i think more people need to uh, meditate on a regular basis because i know how beneficial it is um, in terms of your brain um but um in terms of you know the specific advice for you is you know if you are into the practice just keep all of the things that you know about the practice in mind when you are putting the content out so as an example and we talked about this for another meditation channel in last week's live stream i think it was or the maybe the the, the week before um, but one of the one of the things that we were talking about there 
is, you know, if you're putting together a piece of content, then you want to make sure that you're thinking about, you know, how people meditate. So if you're doing guided meditation, then, you know, people will typically, you know, attach that to a time limit. So, you know, it might be five minutes, it might be 10 minutes, it might be 20 minutes, it might be an hour, but I would make sure that your content is directly on some of those marks so that people can not have to think about the time. They just know, hey, if I'm clicking on this video for guided meditation, it's going to take me after the intro saying what, what we're going to be doing. Um, it's going to take me through, um, you know, the process of, you know, the meditation and I don't need to use a timer for it. Um, so, you know, I would just keep those sorts of things in mind. Um, I would also make sure, and we actually had in our members only group um, as well, we had um, somebody that is putting out meditation content also. And one of the things that um, the discussions that we had there um, was based around thumbnails specifically. And one of the thumbnails uh, or one of the, the things that we were saying in there was that one, when you are trying to reach a certain audience, and again, this applies for meditation, gaming, how-to content, uh, everything. But when you're trying to reach a certain audience, you know you have to think of the imagery that you're using and be really intentional with everything that you're doing. So um, the the person in the uh, the membership group, one of the things that they were doing is first the very first thing that they um, had. Um, it had like the imagery itself didn't reflect meditation in any way, shape or form. So the next step, they added like a, a Buddhist image to it. So the conversation that we were having there is that, you know, with Buddhism um, or with meditation, when some people see that, then they make that, you know, connection with Buddhism. Um, whereas if you're just trying to, I think his was about like a VR meditation uh, thing, but it's like, you know, if you're trying to reach, you know, more people that are into just, uh, you know, meditation in general or say mindfulness, then having that, um, the, the Buddhist Buddhist imagery and that thumbnail might, you know, might attract the wrong crowd, or it might turn off the people that you're trying to reach because you're making that connection between mindfulness and then the spiritual side of, you know, of, of, you know, the people that are into that type of meditation. So, you know, because of that, just think when you're putting your thumbnails together um, and just the content itself, just, I would do it in certain time limits. And then I would also just be really mindful, overly mindful of the imagery that you're using. And when you, when you're putting your thumbnails together and everybody should do this, when you're putting your thumbnails together, think to yourself, okay, this looks like a good thumbnail. And this is why I think people should click on it, but also think what about this thumbnail? Like if let's say that I saw this on the platform myself, what about this would make me not want to click on it? Or what about this thumbnail or how I'm packaging up this piece of content? What about this would make, would do I think would would turn off some people um, and have them not want to click on this? And again, this comes down to the people that you're trying to reach. Now, on the other hand of that, if you were trying to reach people that were into, you know, Buddhist meditation for spiritual reasons, then in that case, then using that type of imagery is a, is a home run. But if you're trying to reach people in the mindfulness camp, then, you know, that type of imagery, you know, can, can work against you in that case. So, you know, you just want to be really intentional about everything that you're doing um, on your on your channel. So hopefully that uh, that answered your question there. Um, let's see here. So next up on our list here, there was another one that came through that I did not get before as well from super Zane Geiber and says, what tool do you use to show chats and super chats on your live stream? Like if it's done via stream elements or Streamlabs or something else, thank you. Um, so right here, when I show these on the live stream and I'll just use this one again, um, when I show these on the live stream, um, this is StreamYard and I just click it. So from my view, if I change it to this, so from my view, I have my StreamYard window right here and you can see the highlighted chat 
right here. So I have my YouTube chat, but right next to that is the StreamYard chat. So I use this one to see in real time, and it's actually not in real time right now. There we go. But I use this one to see what's happening in real time. Sometimes I'll stop it. And then this one right here is where I actually stop the chat so that I can pin, you know, different comments to the screen. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm using for that. Um, let's see here. Um, lovely scrub, make early game from video rap songs. We got that one. Okay, I think that got everybody taken care of on the super chat side. If I missed anybody, um, definitely, uh, definitely let me know. Okay, so uh, next up on our list here, we've got. Nope, we did exciting electronics already. So we are going to move to the next one. Super tech, nope, super tech tricks with a C. Says technology and tech uh, fix and console is the type of channel. Goal of the channel is uploading videos to help people um, fix their tech and also giving better guides than other YouTubers, I think. Um, the question, what is the most popular content so I can get a better view count? <laughs> so the thing is, is of course, you wanna make sure that you are making um, videos around you know, content, um, topics, subject matter that people care about. But in addition to that, you also want to make sure that you are making good content because just the topic itself does not, Travis MCP in the house, what's up, dude? Hope you're doing great. Travis MCP, by the way, is MVP in our world. And he's, he's the guy, his, this, his, this is his voice. Welcome to the Niminati. And this is his voice. Super chat. <laughs> What's up, dude? Hope you're doing great. Um, but uh, let's see here. Oh yeah, so when it comes to actually getting more views, that comes down to how people respond to what it is that you're doing. Everything on YouTube is performance-based. So just because you make content doesn't mean that that content's gonna perform well. It's going to perform well if, when people see it on the home pages, when people seeing it being recommended next to other videos on YouTube, when people see it showing up in search, whatever, when people click on that content at a higher rate compared to, or a competitive rate, and then they watch that video for a competitive amount of time, um, and then they further engage with that content in any way in terms of sharing it and liking it and commenting and all that good stuff. Every little action that people take on your videos, and as long as you can keep them engaged in your channel, all of those things add up to to people responding to your content in a positive way. So when it comes to your YouTube channel, if you can continually get people to respond to the content you're doing in a positive way, then you're going to up the view counts that you're getting. And a great tool that YouTube gives us to help us make sure that we're making the right decisions with our content is our audience retention reports. Because our audience retention reports are a direct reflection of how people are responding to our content. The masses, not just the commenters, but the masses are responding to our content um, second by second. So by using our audience retention reports, that helps us be able to identify the things that we're doing inside of our content that people are or not responding to, the things that we say that make people leave, the things that we do or show that make people stick around. It helps us be able to build better content based on the direct feedback that we're getting from the people that are interacting with the content. So because of that, to get more views, you got to pay attention to those sorts of things and make sure that you are, you know, that you are, you know, making content that people are responding to in as a as positive of a way as possible. Um, does hiding subs benefit smaller YouTube? No. So, so hiding your subscribers or not hiding your subscribers, like people can still see your view counts. Since they can see your view counts, it doesn't do any good whatsoever to hide your uh, your hide your subscriber counts. Uh, let's see here. 
So this is a good question. Do likes, um, thumbs up really affect the analytics? Everything does. So how people respond to your content as a whole is what impacts your content. Costume CEO, Heidi, what's up? Hope you're doing great. But how people respond to your content as a whole is what is is what impacts your content. So, you know, how people are clicking on it, how people are watching it, the people that don't click on it, the people that um, that like it, the people that comment, the people that share it, the people that add it to playlists, the people that add it to watch later and actually come back and watch it again. Um, you know, all of those things, how long people watch for the video itself, how people, how long people watch compared to other videos of similar length, all of these things matter when it comes to your YouTube channel. So it's important to keep an eye on all of them, but the things that are most important are how good are you at getting people to click and how good are you at getting people to watch? And what those things come down to is really understanding your audience and who it is that you're trying to reach in terms of getting them to click. Um, also making it clear from the outside in terms of you know the, the the thing that you're trying to focus them on in your thumbnail instead of just having a bunch of stuff in your thumbnail. Um, you know, like focus people. Like, hey, this is what the video is about. What can I focus them on in my thumbnail to grab their attention and make them want to you know click into this video? So one thing that people don't think about a lot is that um, your your thumbnail and your title and the topic of your video, like that's part of your hook, right? Like you get to slam that home once they actually open your video, but your your thumbnail and your title is part of your part of your hook as well because that's creating that promise of what they're gonna get when they click on that video. So it's an enticing part of your package, so to speak. So because of that, you know, you gotta make sure that you know that you're considering the, you know your what you're doing with your your title and thumbnail um, as part of your hook um, of your of your content as well. Okay. So really quick. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. All right. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Balto says, what have you found um, that keeps your audience retention as high? Oh, let me find that real quick. Um, what have you found keeps your um, keeps audience retention as high as possible through the intro? So I found a bunch of different things. So. Um, a few different things that you can experiment with is one having, um, does it mean memes? Oh, um, having, uh, one is if you're on camera, if you're somebody that's on camera and you notice that you see a huge drop, right? When you first start is experimenting with one, the different things that you say there, but two also experimenting with you doing voiceovers while showing B roll footage, um, during your intro to see if that stops the drop. Um, also trying to show B roll with just music playing and then get into the actual content and see, you know, Hey, when I start talking, is that where the voice, is that where it drops? When I show myself on camera, is that so that you can start identifying little problems about your videos. So for example, if your video is promising one thing in the thumbnail and title, people you know start watching the video. And let's say that based on what they expected when they saw the thumbnail and title, they clicked on your video. And then it's like, you know, like a person in an environment that doesn't really match what was, you know, promised on the outside, then in that case, that could cause people to leave. So that would be a really great example of, well, let's just put it around something. Let's say that you're making sports content. Let's say that you have a um, a uh, thumbnail and a title that has something to do with baseball. And in that particular thumbnail and title that has to do with baseball, you have some nice baseball imagery. Let's say it shows a player on the field. And you notice that when people click on that video because you're sitting in like an office environment or like your living room talking about baseball, that you know people tend to you know just head out of that video. So because of that, getting them warmed up first and building a little bit of a hook into the video while you're showing some baseball related imagery, it could be B-roll of like, 
like stuff that you have laying around, baseball gloves, things like that, just baseball related stuff, um, to where you're showing them some of that imagery as you're talking about something so that, you know, they know it's about baseball. And then that gives you the opportunity to build that verbal hookup so that when you do come into the video itself and you're sitting there in an office, they're a little bit more primed to watch that video. So, you know, what I recommend that you do is just experiment like crazy based on a handful of things. One is what people see when the video first starts. Two is what people hear when the video first starts. And then of course, what is being presented from the outside before they actually click on it in terms of your thumbnail and title, what's being presented there versus what they get when they come in from the outside. So when you're putting your thumbnails and titles together, think about, okay, when somebody sees this, what expectation, in addition to the content they're going to get, what you know, quick expectation when somebody scan in YouTube, they decide to click on my video, what type of, um, you know, what type of expectation could this be creating that they might expect to see when they come in. So somebody that's in the live streams a lot, and I'm not, I'm not gonna, you know, um, call him out there, but he hit me up on Twitter. Um, this is probably like, you know, two years ago now. Um, but you know, he hit me up on Twitter. He's like, man, it doesn't matter, you know, what I say at the beginning of my videos, um, you know, people just bail. Um, so, you know, I looked at his videos and one of the things, um, is that, um, in his particular type of content, you know, because it's based around audio, um, in his particular type of content, um, you know, when the video would start, um, you know, he would just be, you know, like right there in the video and, uh, people would typically leave during that. So because of that, um, I told him, I was like, Hey, you know, why don't you try featuring the product and things like that, you know, as the video is getting started and then, you know, go into you kind of like I was talking about in the baseball example and just that in his case ended up, you know, bringing up his audience retention all the way across the board because he was able to get them primed up based on the things that they care about. Um, before, you know, he actually showed himself on screen. So, you know, little things like that, um, you know, are the types of things that you want to look into. Um, Tommy T's extreme roller coasters. Oh, roller coaster, roller coasters. Man, I can't believe I didn't see the roller part in there before. I apologize. Super <laughs> I'm talking about coasters. And he's and it's clear in his name, Extreme Roller Coasters. Um, says, um, would um, using subtitles as a way to send please subscribe messages on my video be a bad thing to do? Um, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't worry about that because not everybody has subtitles on. Um, however, one thing that you can do because keep in mind when it comes to um, when it comes to um, people subscribing to your videos, all you're trying to do because some people are just going to do it, you know, on autopilot because they, you know, they're on YouTube all the time, they get it. Some people, depending on your demographics and all that. Some people are just gonna be engaged in the content. And those people, you're just wanting to nudge those people. And you nudge those people by either simply saying somewhere in your content. It can be like, let's say I was reviewing this phone, right? And I'm like, you know, hey, yeah, and it does this. And then when you slide the screen up, it does, you know, then it shows me all the stuff. It shows me all the apps on the screen. Um, and then, you know, when I open this app, oh, it looks like it's taken a while. While we're waiting really quick, um, if you're enjoying this content so far, remember to subscribe. Um, oh, it's open now. Um, so now I'm gonna show you this particular thing. So there, it's not like a big interruption to your content. You can organically work it into what it is that you're doing, but you're just reminding people that that button's there. And the better your content is, the more important this is because they're engaged in what it is that you're doing. So you just wanna make sure that you do have that, you know, little reminder either pop up as a graphic or that you verbally put it in there somewhere, just as that little nudge to remind people, you know, that they can subscribe to the channel so that they can come back and uh, watch more. I mean, ultimately it doesn't mean that they're even gonna see the videos these days, um, but, you know, it gives you that, you know, one more person that is giving that positive signal to YouTube that they enjoyed your stuff long enough to subscribe. And depending on how they're interacting with your content, there is a pretty good chance that they're going to see, you know, at least some of your content sometime. <laughs> okay, so uh, let's see here. 
but yeah, another thing really just uh, really quick on this is um, just as a side note, like I've never seen this particular one in any of like the, you know, any of the like community guidelines stuff or terms of service or anything. But one thing to keep in mind is that when you are using any of the features on YouTube, you want to use them for what they're intended for, not as a way to try to do additional things. So here, if you mentioned to subscribe in your in your actual content, then having it as part of your subtitles would make sense or your captions would make sense. But just putting it in there, um, that's only going to be good for the people that have the captions on anyway, but that's not what it was intended for. If you know, if you're just plugging that in there, I don't think you'd get in trouble for it or anything, but I'm just saying for any of the features on YouTube, use them as they are intended, um, to just avoid any, you know, future, uh, you know, headaches of any kind. Uh, let's see here as we keep on going through this list, let's go to the form here really quick, and then we will jump back into the questions. So get your questions ready. I'll be asking um, for you to drop those questions in here in just a second. And if you are enjoying the stream, remember to give it a thumbs up just so that's how I look at the direct feedback on, you know, how you are enjoying the content. Um, so let's see here. Next up, we've got Newton Chawala, hope I'm saying that right, says they do biweekly content. They've been on YouTube for less than a year. Um, the type of channel, it's about my life. I'm a sailor, so I document my life at sea. And when I'm on vacation, I focus on things that I'm passionate about, tech and games. Um, the goal of the channel is to show people the merchant navy, my life there on board, and also give an insight to a sailor's life when in the land as well. Um, my question is whether to my niche is too broad. No. I don't think so. Like if you're like, you are clearly targeting, um, you know, you're clearly showing people, you know, your life on that thing. Um, so you are targeting people that are interested in that life on, on that, you know, on, on the, on the boat, so to speak. Um, so, you know, because of that, um, you know, it sounds interesting, you know, to me, um, the only thing that I think might be an issue there is if you're on the boat and that's the part that you're showing people, but then you're sharing life on land. Um, I think that that causes a little bit of a, you know, of a difference there. Um, if people connect to you and, and they follow you, you know, on land as well, that's fine. Um, but you know, for the people that are wanting more of the sea stuff, you, I would attempt, I, of course I would need to actually see your channel and stuff, but, um, based on the information that you've given me here, I would attempt to also try to make the on land stuff about the boat, right. To where, you know, you're talking about, you know, the experiences that you've had and all in the stories and all the, you know, things that you've been into so that you can still focus it on, uh, you can still focus it on, uh, you know, the thing that they, you know, that they're interested in. And really quick, just a heads up. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just letting you know right here. Go back to that one. Just letting you know right here. Look, see that? Y yep, you got somebody right there that would watch your content. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's see here. Oh, and then we've got a, a fellow sailor here in the house as well. I didn't, I didn't know being a sailor was was this popular. See, we got another one right here too. See that? In Japan, nice, nice, nice. Okay, so next up on our uh, on our list here, Brian G. I don't know if you're still. Uh, yeah, I, I guess you're in Yellowstone. I was gonna say um, I'm gonna be going uh, sharing the link here in just a little bit, so you are more than welcome to come on. I might have said that earlier. I don't know, uh, but you're more than welcome. You know that already um, all the time. So uh, let's see here. My goals help me. Okay, we got that one already. Next up on our list, we have Mike M. 
We'll say that M stands for magnificent. Mike Magnificent is uh, is is who that we are answering this question for. It says they have a basketball videos and reactions on videos of other people's videos. Hold on, basketball videos and reactions on other people's videos. Okay. Um, the goal of the channel is to show people that I'm good at what I'm doing and I want them to see that. And because it's my dream to be a YouTuber. Question: Can you go check out my channel and see what I can upgrade on? Um, I'd like to improve my channel. No. So in this form, um, right up here at the very top, I need to make this more clear. So just because we've had two um, so far, but, oh, did I not share the screen? There we go. But right up here at the very top of this form, um, I do need to make it more clear, but it says do not ask for channel reviews in this form. So, uh, so I'm definitely not looking at uh, channels at the moment. So uh, let's see here. Next up on our list, as we keep going, Kareeb, you're still magnificent though, Mike. I just want to just make sure you know that. Um, let's see here. Kareeb, uh, Kareem uh, Adib says that, uh, let's see here. They do educational channel, helping uh, people follow their passion and live happier, more fulfilling lives. The goal of the channel is to build an audience. The question, I feel like I'm not getting enough views and I know that my content isn't good enough, but I work in marketing. Um, but as I work on marketing, um, I'm always inclined to look at data, but there isn't enough. Um, what would you recommend for a channel in my niche to be doing currently? Would focusing more on videos and leaving the data for now be wise? Yes. So what you want to do is you want to pay attention to the data that you are getting. Um, but if you don't have a lot of data coming in right now, roll with intuition for right now, especially if you work in marketing, because a lot of that information that you know from your trade in marketing, your career in marketing, um, a lot of that information is going to directly apply to what it is that you're doing on YouTube. Um, so be, in terms of, you know, uh, you know, making content for a specific group of people, targeting those people correctly based on the things that they're interested in, you know, getting as clear as possible about who it is that you're actually trying to reach, and then putting out content on a regular basis that is constantly, you know, uh, you know, reaching those people. Um, you know, your marketing experience is going to help you a ton on YouTube. Um, but right now, focus on, you know, just intuition and just just putting videos together that you think based on your intuition would be a good fit for the people that you're trying to reach. And then, uh oh, and then as soon as you start getting some, um, some information, you know, coming back, um, based on how people are responding, that is where the books just fell down. Um, that is where you want to, uh, do that. If you're enjoying the show, remember to give it a thumbs up and share it with a friend right now. All right. So, uh, let's see here. Lovely scrub says, hold on, I see it here. I'm looking for you, lovely scrub. There we go. Um, I wanted to use this feature um, to compliment your streaming proficiency. You don't have to read this out loud. Lovely scrub, thank you for the super chat and for the kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, let's see here. As we keep on going through the list here, um, we've got Let's go ahead and pull one out of the chat. So if you have a question about what it is that you are doing on YouTube, put a Q in front of your question and then just go ahead and drop your question right now. And while we are doing that, um, there is a question about running a playlist through StreamYard. Um, let's see here. Where, 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 where? I saw it, but it went away. Oh, how do you run the playlist for live streams on StreamYard? Um, so in terms of running a playlist for a live stream. So if you mean like, how do I actually like play like videos and stuff here? Like, for example, if I was to, let me go to my brand. If I were to play this hot piece of music right here. Check, check, one, two. 
I'm B to the G, it's easy to see what you need, it's attention from me. I'll give you the shout, get back on the grind and you'll be down for the count. Or this, so you might be asking yourself, Nick, what is Camtasia? Camtasia is a video editing and screen recording software. If you've watched my videos, you've seen me record the screen. If you're asking how I do that, there's just a video clips option um, right here inside of uh, right here inside of StreamYard, and all you have to do is just is just tap on it. Once you load the videos in there, you just tap on it, and then bam, it comes right into uh, comes right into the screen. If you mean about um, building an actual playlist, um, then you just do that inside of uh, then you just do that inside of YouTube. Uh, let's see here as we keep on going through the list. Brian G says, "Oh goodness." <laughs> Oh, I'm making some updates, uh, uh, Brian G, uh, to that one. So I'm not going to have to show that one uh, that much uh, in the uh, in the future. I, I was actually working on instrumental today, um, uh, and I'm calling it "Ring the Bell." So I might I might make a uh, I might make one on uh, subscribing um, to YouTube channels just for something fun to play in the streams. Uh, let's see here. So as we keep going, let's look for some questions. Should I attend Vid Summit yet this year? So I'm going to Vid Summit this year. I'm going to be speaking there. Um, a lot of other you know people that are um, you know uh, that share you know tons of just great YouTube information have a lot of YouTube experience. Um, Vid Summit is if you're serious about YouTube and like actually you know going full time on YouTube or using YouTube for your business, either one. Um, Vid Summit is definitely something to consider. Um, it happens at the end of September this year in LA, and um, and yeah, like if if you're serious about about what it is that you're doing, um, then yeah, you should go to VidSummit. If you're like, uh, I don't know, you know, not necessarily, then in that case, um, uh, you know, then then it's probably not for you. But if you're serious, then yeah, you should be going to you should be going to VidSummit. Uh, let's see here. So how do I keep my video entertaining? It's predominantly made of time lapses. I have a gaming channel where I build structures in Minecraft. So the time lapse itself might just be enough, um, but you know that's gonna just come down to like the the thing that you're actually time lapsing. So I would assume I've never like done anything with that type of content. I've never worked with anybody that time. So I'm just taking a, a, a like I'm just taking a stab here. Um, but for this, the thing that I would make sure that I was doing is that the thing that I would be time lapsing on the thumb nail, um, I would make sure that that thing uh, was just epic so that people would want to actually see how it was put together. Um, outside of that, since it's just a sequence of, you know, you putting something together um, outside of, you know, multiple camera angles as it's all, you know, coming together, which in Minecraft, I don't even know if that's possible. Um, but if it is, then, you know, changing the perspective a little bit, um, you know, as something's coming together, uh, I would think would be advantageous. Uh, let's see here. So uh, Nariv Patel says, thinking about starting a YouTube channel for teaching Adobe Photoshop. Is it a good idea? Please tell me. Please help me. Uh, yeah, like there's tons of channels out there. So just make sure that you can stand out. Um, the channel that I go to for Photoshop is Pixinperfect. Um, great channel. He's an excellent teacher and he is very like crystal clear in, in how he communicates in terms of letting you know exactly what it is that you need to do. Um, he is just amazing. Umesh over there. So, uh, Umesh. So, uh, so I would use him for inspiration in terms of like how to actually teach people. Um, but in terms of, um, you know, is it a good idea to have a channel about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, do you use scripts for your videos? Um, I sounded like a robot when I use scripts. Um, I do not. One thing that I use is I use bullet points. I use bullet points every now and then I'll smack a note on the bullet point as well. And those bullet points just give me, you know, structure. Like I'm going to talk about this, 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 and this, and then that will give it structure. Now, when I do a subscriber Q and a video, um, which I'm going to be having some of those come out, um, soon as well. But when I do a subscriber Q and a video, those are a little bit more conversational. Um, but I still, in some cases, will add bullet points to those also. Um, but those are just a little bit more conversational. So I just kind of freestyle those mostly. But for the ones that I add structure to, it's just because they're the, the answer might be a little bit more complicated. So I might need to make sure that I, you know, stay, um, you know, on track in a certain way. And then I'll use bullet points for that. But I used to use scripts. And when I use scripts, I also thought I was robotic as well. Some people are really good at it. I'm not. Um, and because of that, I use bullet points because that's what works best with with with, you know, how I put things together and how my brain works. <laughs> Lean into to, to you know lean into what you're good at and uh, try to improve on what you're not. How clickbaity should your thumbnail be? So clickbait and being compelling, they're two totally different things. So clickbait is misleading. Clickbait means that you are promising something in your thumbnail and or title or topic that just isn't in the video. And that is um, something that you should not be doing because YouTube can detect that. And the way that they detect that is as soon as somebody clicks on the video, then it's just a, an avalanche in terms of your, not an avalanche, but just a, a straight drop down in terms of your um, audience retention. So they identify that as clickbait. And then your video just won't get surfaced on the platform after a few people go through that experience. And some people might even give you a thumbs down, all that stuff. It's just all negative feedback to YouTube. And it will end up causing your video to not get, um, you know, to not get, uh, you know, much exposure on YouTube. Um, but if you are being compelling, that's a totally different thing. Um, being compelling on YouTube is very advantageous and being compelling simply comes down to knowing who it is that you're after knowing, you know, like even if you're doing broad general audience content, you know, just knowing, Hey, people in general would respond to this. If I do it, you know, this way, that's more compelling compared to just being a little bit dry about it. Um, and depending on the type of content being dry about, it might be the thing that causes people to click more as well. But when it comes to being clickbaity, you don't want to be clickbaity because that's misleading. You want to be compelling, which is I'm giving you what it is that I'm promising here in the thumbnail and title, but I'm just, I'm just putting in a little bit of extra work on this thumbnail and title to make it a lot more interesting to you just to make sure that you're clicking on it. Dole Whip Dad, what's up, man? Hope that you are doing great. Thanks for uh, coming into the chat today. Um, do you think that uh, StreamYard could work well for Twitch art streams? I do. And the reason that I do, Beanie, is um, if you have it to where, um, you know, like inside of StreamYard, you could set it up. I don't know if you are going to do like an A10 mini or anything like that. But one, if you don't, um, then you could have it to where uh, in your case, you could just have the one camera um, on you or like a upshot from the uh, from your iPad, because that's where you make your stuff um, to where it would be like a, you know, like a downshot on your iPad. And then you could have your iPad plugged in directly as well and use that as a thing to switch to. Um, you could do that on a second computer, or you could actually enter StreamYard on your iPad and bring your iPad in as a guest. And then when you do that, and I'm just going to use this one as an example, you can see how this particular screen right here, let's do it this way. You can see how this screen is big. So in your case, you could have like a, a shot on you actually doing the drawing. Um, and then the, the big part over there could be the uh, iPad screen 
or you could do the iPad screen big there um, and then have just like an overhead shot, you know, over here small, or you could technically do it side by side um, to where you had, you know, one uh, that was big and then the other one that had your webcam just coming at like an angle or something. So it was a little bit different, or you could even do it to where you're switching back and forth to where you have like that real life shot um, at like a little bit of an angle. So it looks a little bit differently. And then you would switch the scene or not swing, but you would just switch it to this let it come onto the stream. Oop, there we go. You'd switch it to something like this, but then you would click this in order to make it uh, full screen. And then you'd do that same exact thing, switching back to this, um, you know, so it'd be like the real life shot and then the iPad shot. So yeah, I absolutely think that it could be uh, advantageous. So, um, Ty B trolling says, please answer my super, super chat about chat. buying subs. I think I've I've talked about that already. Says, does hiding subs benefit smaller YouTubers? Yeah, we got that one taken care of um, as well. I think those are just stuck at the top of the screen, actually. At Penny's place. Welcome to the Niminati. Make sure next time you are on Facebook, you look for uh just go to nimmonvip.com. <laughs> it's going to redirect you to that Facebook group and fill out all the information on the way in because that's how I verify that you are a member. Okay. So uh, let's see here. Do, 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 do. Okay, good. So uh, let's see here. What's the ultimate key to getting views? Making content that people love. Great question. But it's, um, it's, it's making content that people love. That's it. Make content that people enjoy and learn how to get them to click on it. The more you do that and the more effective you get at that, the better that your channel is going to be. Keep working on your skill sets in terms of learning how to, you know, present your content. Even if you're not on camera, if you're on voiceovers, you're still going to be, you know, presenting your content, but learning how to present your content um, in a way that people enjoy. And of course, you know, learning how to get people to click on it. Uh, let's see here. Scorpio kid. Good. No comics. What's up? Hope that you're doing great. Um, so Anna Zilly says I make videos, uh, which could also be considered podcasts, how to make introductions for such videos. I say many start with an extract of the video. You can absolutely do an extract of the video. Um, if they are, um, if you're doing videos, but they could also be considered podcasts instead of doing podcasts that could also be, you know, used as videos, then in that case, I would actually make those videos. Uh, I would make those videos, uh, like I would, I would, you know, build the content out for the video and just let people also be able to download the audio version as well. Because like when you are, um, uh, like if, if you are going to do an intro, then in that case for the video, you could just say, Hey, you know, we're going to be talking about this and this is the guest that I have and that sort of thing. Um, and then you get into the actual content itself, or you could just show, you know, quick highlights of some of the things that you're going to be talking about either or, uh, let's see here. Roberto Blake says, Oh, I saw it, but it just went away. Uh, that's up in there somewhere. He said something about like, don't ever buy subscribers. There we go. Found it. Uh, let's see here. Next question on our list. As I look for it, is adding subtitles good for the algorithm um, or essential for the metadata? Um, so it's not essential for the metadata. YouTube auto captions your videos anyway. Um, however, when you add your own captions, what you're doing is you are making sure that there are not mistakes in your captions, which could then alter the context of your uh, of your video, or it could also add 
words in there um, that are, you know, that could get you demonetized or get your video restricted and things like that. So at the very least, if you're not adding captions, you want to make sure that you're going in and double checking the captions to make sure that they're accurate. Um, in terms of, is it good for the algorithm? Um, it's not that it's good for the algorithm, but it's good for people because people like to consume content in a bunch of different ways. Um, some people like to, you know, they'll, they'll, they, the only time they have to watch videos is when they are like, let's say they're going to bed at night. And when they're going to bed at night, I actually had a comment about this uh, just the other day, but when they're going to bed at night, they're, they're next to a significant other. And with them being next to a significant other, they're trying to sleep. So therefore that person watches that content um, with just the captions instead of having audio. So if you did not have the captions enabled or if they were just all gibberish, then that particular person might end up leaving your video early. If that person leaves your video early, then if that happens to just a few people or not a few people, but that happens to, you know, a, you know, a decent amount of people, then, you know, you're creating that exit, which can then hurt you in in the algorithms. But when it comes to this whole thing, like with the captions, it's all about the viewer experience. One thing that I do want to let you know is that people do retain information more uh, better with captions are there. So if you do make how to content, adding captions to your how to content, uh, where you're teaching people things can help them be able to retain the information better for the people that use them. But at the highest level, it makes your content more accessible to people. Um, people that have problems, um, you know, with their hearing, people that, um, you know, are watching videos while they're at work and they don't want other people to hear them, people that are watching videos when they're in the bathroom and don't want people to hear them, people that are, that are you know, just needing to be quiet when they're watching their videos, um, you know, for those people, um, you know, you make it to where those people can still consume your content. So because of that, um, I am a huge advocate for captions in videos. I think that, and YouTube is already doing it. Like, you know, like YouTube already adds captions anyway. But I think that making sure that your captions are accurate, um, you are just essentially doing a service to the people that are interacting with your content because you're making it a lot more accessible. Oh, uh, let's see here. Uh, Little Crafty Nook says that they put their phone under the pillow. Nice. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Should I stay motivated because I cannot see any changes? So that comes down to you. You know, like um, in terms of like motivation when it comes to YouTube, um, there's there's a few different things to think about. One is, uh, you know, like if you're uploading to YouTube, uh, just because you love making content, then you shouldn't need motivation. Um, if you are uploading to YouTube because you just want results out of YouTube, like you just want views, then in that case, then the thing that you're chasing, especially when you're just getting started, it can, it can be really frustrating because you have to go through a process of learning how to make content that people respond to in order to get those views that you're after. So because of that, if you're like, hey, I just wanna get views, and you're not thinking of like, you know, the value that you're bringing to your audience or the people that are interacting with your content. You're not thinking of how to make the experience better with your videos when people are interacting with it. You're not thinking of, you know, how to, you know, get people to respond, you know, better to what it is that you're doing as a whole. Then in that case, you're going to stay frustrated because you're focused on the wrong thing. You're publishing videos and hoping that it'll work instead of, you know, actively trying to get better. When you're actively trying to get better, you don't need the motivation because you know, okay, with every step that I take in the right direction of trying to get better, I'm learning how to write better titles. I'm learning how to make better thumbnails. I'm learning how to put content together in a better way. I'm learning how to present my content better. I'm learning how to do all of this stuff better. And I'm filling it with value through the whole process. And therefore I know that if this next video doesn't do great, maybe the next one will. If the one after that doesn't do great, I know that maybe, you know, three videos down the road might be the thing as my skills develop in terms of making that great content that once I get there, 
that it's going to be, it's going to be, you know, awesome and worth it. So, you know, when it comes to the motivation side, it usually comes down to like, Hey, I just want views. Like that's it. I just want views and I'm not like trying to, you know, like I'm not doing all the stuff. Um, so it'll come down to that or it'll come down to thinking that you're doing all the stuff and you're really not doing all the stuff. So, um, on the motivation side, um, you know, in my opinion, the best way to stay motivated is to one, just focus all your efforts on making the good content. Um, and just like having fun, making the videos that you're putting together and using some of the data that YouTube is giving you back to say, okay, this is how people are responding. Let me try to, you know, do this better and actually looking at YouTube, like it's a game and trying to, you know, take that approach. Um, so staying motivated there. And then also, of course, the thing that keeps people motivated through everything is having like a clear, like, Hey, you know, this is, this is what I'm trying to do. This is what I'm trying to accomplish with my YouTube channel. And in order to do that, um, that motivation comes from, I'm trying to accomplish this thing. Like, this is why I'm doing this. So when I need to do it, it's not a thing that I need to motivate myself through because it's something that I want to do and something that I feel I need to do based on the mission that I'm on. Tommy T's Extreme Roller Coaster says, Super chat. last question, Nick, thanks for answering my questions today. Um, I have a video going semi-viral on YouTube search. What is that exactly compared to browse features? So um, browse features are when people see your content on the homepage or when they see it in, your, in the subscriptions feed. Um, that's what browse features are. So when you're getting um, views from search, that means that people are actively looking for the content that you have and that your video is showing up there in the search results when they're looking for it. So the majority of views on YouTube, they come from their recommendation features, which are browse and uh, suggested. That's where a majority of the views come from, but the search can also be you know, a huge traffic source as well. So because of that, depending on the type of content, um, you know, a lot of people might find your content via search or you might be good at getting them to respond from the homepage, which makes me want to make a quick mention here for everybody that's hanging out. When you are putting your thumbnails and titles together, I know a lot of people, they only target search, which is fine. But if you target search with your content, if you want to like really amplify things, you wanna make sure that you are also considering if somebody sees this, like when people are looking for something in search, they're looking for it. They're looking for the content that you have. But when you are trying to get people to watch what it is that you have at scale, you have to also think, okay, I'm targeting this for search, but if somebody sees this on a homepage, what about this in terms of the thumbnail title and topic? What about this packaging um, is going to make somebody that didn't expect to see this video, but it's still within their interest set. That's why YouTube is showing it to them. But what about this packaging or this video? Um, what about this is um, interesting enough or intriguing enough or whatever that would make somebody want to click on this from a homepage or from the suggested videos. Um, so you want to make sure that you're able to clearly define that as well as making sure that whatever term that you're trying to rank for, that you are including that as well, um, uh, in your, you know, in your metadata and all that good stuff. But, you know, you want to make sure that you were just keeping in mind, like, you know, like YouTube is still, even if you're going after search, YouTube is still going to show your content on homepages. They're still going to show your content uh, next to other pieces of content, uh, you know, in the suggested. So because of that, you have to just define it. Okay, this is why I think people would click on this on a homepage. This is why I think people would click on it when it's recommended next to other content. This is the compelling aspects that I'm adding to this so that when it does show up in search as well, that, you know, I, I think that I'm going to have a good chance of getting people to click on it from search also. So you just want to, you know, think of it from that broad view instead of only thinking, you know, YouTube search. Because if something does well in search, YouTube's going to be showing it to people anyway, um, you know, through other features. So you also want to make sure that you can clearly define why people should click on it there. 
Okay, so uh, let's see here. Uh, next up on our list here, we have, okay, so um, Doug said that I missed a super chat here from Tiffany. I think it was, let me refresh the page here. And then I saw some other ones uh, come in. Give me one second here and I will get to those also. Uh, let's see. Okay, Tiffany, love, love, love. Super chat. So Tiffany Love 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 says, can you give RPM estimates for song cover videos after copyright deductions, deciding if my channel will make decent profit solely from AdSense? No, no, because, you know, depending on, on you know, where people are watching from and all that stuff, like there's so many variables that no, um, that I, I can't, uh, unfortunately. Um, but what you'll see is when you're putting out, you know, content, you're gonna, because basically the things that are going to impact that is the ad inventory in terms of the ads that are gonna get shown. Um, you also have, um, you know, where people are actually watching from in the world and the specific songs that you're covering too. Um, and, you know, the other demographics around the people that are interacting with your content that are going to um, impact your RPM. Uh, Left Undone says 12,000 subscribers, Super True Crime chat. channel. Um, is it better to niche down more than just true crime? I feel like I'm growing slower recently. So if you're growing slower recently compared to before, um, in your YouTube analytics, you're gonna have a compare feature. You can compare by date ranges and start identifying what was going on in your channel before versus what's going on now. Um, some of those changes, if you were doing better before compared to now can come down simply to, you were getting more suggested traffic before, getting more homepage traffic before, where now you're just not getting as much based on people not clicking on what it is that you have, some of the new content choices that you're putting out, they're just not clicking on them as much as they used to. Um, or once they come in and they do click on them, um, they're just not interacting with the content as for as long a period of time or enough for YouTube to deem it um, as something that they wanna keep showing to people in mass compared to the content that you were doing before. So you wanna make sure that you're doing those things. But in addition to that, um, in terms of niching down, um, I think true crime, um, I think that's fine. Um, but within true crime, um, if you do notice, that, hey, you know, um, some of these channels that are also doing true crime, um, they are, you know, focusing on, you know, these particular aspects and they're doing really well. Um, then in that case, you know, you would want to just consider having some of those as some of the, you know, content that you're putting out as well, as long as it's something that fits into something that you're interested in. Um, but if you are like, hey, I'm just on true crime, I love talking about true crime in general, then, you know, you will be growing your tribe around that. But if you're trying to accelerate things, one thing that I would recommend that you do as well, and this is on the analytics side, is that you just go in and to your YouTube analytics and your analytics is going to show you the content that people respond to the most. So, you know, if you're doing true crime, but then you're talking about specific scenarios, then in that case, you're going to see, okay, these are the ones that people, you know, responded to the highest. These are the ones that people, you know, that I got more views on. These are the ones that have driven more subscribers. These are the ones that people watch the longest for. These are the ones that, um, that get the most traffic from home pages based on how people responded to them. These are the ones that got suggested more based on how people respond to them. Um, but you're going to be able to, you know, identify all of that. Um, just by digging into your uh, digging into your stats. But I think true crime, you know, as a whole is fine. Um, but I would just really dig into your content that has performed well in the past and see if you can uncover patterns of, you know, like when I talk about these things within true crime, people respond more compared to when I talk about these things so that you can lean into the stuff that people respond to more either in general, or when you need to when your stats go down. So like on my channel, just to give you know, some clarity into that idea. 
on my channel, I have content that I need to put out, I have content that I want to put out, and then I have content that I put out simply because um, it's, it's content that always brings the numbers up and helps bring new people in. So, you know, I have reasons that I put out each piece of content that I put out on my channel, and it's not based on view count. Um, so the only content that's based on view count is the content that is typically like if it's like a, and I call them in my content um, calendar, I call them view and sub videos. And those are basically videos that are about how to get more views or and how to get more subscribers, because historically those do better on my channel. So if I need to bring the stats up or I just need to pull in a bunch of new viewers all, you know, in a hurry, then I'll put out those pieces of content and I can pull that lever, so to speak, in order to get, you know, some activity going. Um, and then in the meantime, then I put out the additional content that I want to put out or I need to put out, um, you know, based on, you know, obligations or whatever. Um, so because of that, um, you know, I, I know the content that performs well and I know the content, you know, that doesn't perform as well. And then I just kind of balance all of that stuff out to keep my numbers, you know, relatively consistent. And that works the best when you're actually being consistent. <laughs> uh, let's see here. So next up on our list, we have um, let's see here. So if a viewer repeatedly clicks Super on the same trash. videos, do you still receive full credit? Um, it's not the, it's not that it's credit. Like YouTube can detect like everything that happens on their platform. They're, they're logging it. So it's not that, you know, like if, if a viewer comes back and watches the same video again, that's good. But in mass is what's going to matter. Right, like if 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 like your mom watches your video once, and then your mom comes back, and she always comes back and just watches your videos, like that's great for your mom. And I'm just using that one as a reference, but like that's great for your mom. But like at at scale, how do people respond to your content? Do you have a lot of people that keep coming back and watching your videos over and over again? If so, that's a really great sign. But if it's just like one person or just a few people from time to time coming in and you know watching your videos again because uh, you know they think it's awesome, then that's that's great. But if they're doing it as a way to kind of game things, then YouTube's going to be able to detect that too. So uh, so um, it's a positive sign when people, you know, come and watch your videos again. And it's not that you, it's not like a, you receive full credit. It's just that they, you know, that they, the system detects that people enjoy your content enough to keep coming back to it. All right, so uh, let's see here. Let me copy the clipboard and then I will drop this in over here. Yes, sir. All right, so uh, let's see here. Next up on our list here. Um, so if you have a question, just drop that cue um, in front of it and uh, and we will go ahead and uh, see what we do. Okay, so we got some questions here. Okay, so um, let me go up this list a little bit because I was uh, looking at other stuff. Okay, Q, 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 Q. Okay, I've been at 68 subscribers for a long time now um, and I work very hard on my videos. What do I do? Keep working on your videos. Keep working on your videos because the thing that's going to cause you to get more subscribers is is you working on your videos, right? You you working on your videos and figuring out how to make videos that people respond to more. Um, that's going to be the thing that's going to make the biggest difference for your channel. So work the the most time that you should spend on your channel should be um, learning how to make the better content or actively, you know making better content for people and actively learning how to get the people that you're trying to reach to click on what it is that you're doing more. Those two things are gonna move the needle for you more than anything else that you can do on your channel. Um, but as both of those, one hidden thing that's behind all of that that you probably heard me say was for the people that you're trying to reach. So that's another thing is, is understanding who it is that you're making content for as well. Because then that way it adds clarity to everything that you're doing and then it also adds clarity to the channel and it turns your channel into a full resource for the people that enjoy that type of content. 
Uh, let's see here. Create with Dre. What's up, man? Says, uh, Super hey, thanks for the true feedback the other day. I'm applying much of the feedback already. Keep being authentic and passionate with the community, um, and we'll follow you to the edge of a cliff. I might not jump off, though. <laughs> thanks, Dre, man. I appreciate that. Oh, hold on. Uh, let's see here. That was close, man. I almost didn't do it. Um, hold on. Downs. Boom. And... At last, the Sith Lord of YouTube, Roberto Blake. Roberto Blake. Oops. What's up, man? Hey, I'm not. Hey, I'm, I'm not hating on that. Hating on that. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, my friend? You doing well? I'm doing good, I'm Nick. Doing good, Nick. Uh, whatever process uh, you're doing is doing, doing the thing. Is doing again. the thing again. What do you mean? The, the echo. Echo. Oh yeah, I got. I might have it turned up. Um, I, I, how's that? Is that better? Let's see. Let's see. Nope. Still hear nope, myself. Still Nick. hear myself, Nick. Okay. Give me one second, and I will switch that up. Um, right after. When it comes to making great-looking content, our next guest will take you to new heights. The impartial geek, David Foster. Oh, we got David oh, in the house. David in the house. Oh, see, yep, we, we, got got in the house. we got Roberto Blake in the house. Party What's up? time. What's up? Oh, I hear myself oh, too. I hear myself too. We could get a mix right, going. Like, oh, you hear yourself. Okay, here, give me one second. Let's see here. How about now? How's it sound now? Oh, we were. That's good, You're, but you messed up our mix we were doing. But yeah, no, it's good. Yep, that's good. Yeah, we're gonna turn this into a totally different kind of show. Oh, right. Now we're gonna now we're gonna start like beatboxing. I have to hop on that computer, and we'll just get we'll just get a whole little like live session going right here. Uh, yeah. That'd be yeah. All I'm gonna do the whole time is go. That's all you gotta do. That's all you, that's all you have to do. Yeah. No, all we got. Totally different stream. Good stuff. So, uh, David, man, how are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Um, good. Aside from uh, you saw my YouTube issue that I'm having, but other than that, things are great. What, 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 what YouTube, YouTube issue? So for the past two months, every comment on my channel, aside from maybe one or two, will stick around, but they just completely disappear. And I've had like the, the last video I did, I just, I really tracked it hard and I've lost over 70 comments. Ooh, interesting. Just going uh, white. Uh, I can still see them. I can still see them in the YouTube Creator Studio app, but when I click on them, it says comment not found. Interesting. So, yeah. Wow. YouTube's having huh. some hardcore glitches. You know, I've always said that the biggest problem with YouTube is um, that it's just very difficult to maintain platform stability once you get to a certain size. And when you have like the equivalent of a skeleton crew um, on the second largest trafficked website in the world, <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like uh, Amanda the Jedi was saying, like, she's having the the youtube glitch on the subs and views right now to, uh so jokingly on twitter i was like yeah that's my fault i took uh youtube out for tequila shots last night so that's on me it's my bad <laughs> but yeah it's oh, affecting no. lights it likes too i'm i'm like likes are all over the place up and down and it's just it's just really weird it's like my channel is just like you know they're like hey let's just put this channel over here and let's just let it uh let it flounder mm. <laughs> So we have some some 
expert people here uh, on the screen right now. Um, so if you have a question, drop a Q in front of your question right now. And, uh, and we're going to start hammering your questions out right here from the chat, uh, right here from the chat right now. So um, just, for some, just for some insight here into, into what we've got in terms of some questions that you can ask. So Roberto, um, his area of expertise is, um, is creator, uh, the creator economy in terms of, you know, taking what it is that you're doing with your YouTube or just your, your art in general and monetizing what it is that you're doing. Uh, with David, he is on the tech side of things in terms of he's teaching you how to make better content for live streams and for video content as well. Um, both of these guys, um, just in case you're not familiar with them, are extremely knowledgeable in what it is that they're doing. Um, so, you know, if you have a question, right now is a great time to ask your tech questions or your questions about, um, you know, uh, making money from all of this stuff. Yeah. So I'm looking By the for- By this is prop money. This is, this, is prop money. <laughs> this is prop money. This is prop money. Yeah, this is prop money. This, right. uh, yeah, no, this is- uh, Prop money. So, uh, friends over at the I IRS, this is not for you. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to want it anyway. Yeah, yeah they want facts. it anyway. They don't care. Yeah. Facts. If they were okay, smart, they so wouldn't take the US good, dollar. Um, no, have you on. had, uh, and this is from uh, Joe Bitcoin. you had yeah. um, any good luck getting good audio out of a lavalier mic? Yeah, I have. Um, I have the Rode Filmmaker kit. And the audio that comes out of that is decent. Um, I wouldn't say it's like, you know, excellent. And I would say that a shotgun mic is still way better. Um, but it's super consistent hmm. when you're using a lavalier, lavalier in terms of, you know, if you're getting different shots and things like that. Um, but overall, um, the audio quality from that is uh, is solid, in my opinion. What do you guys think about lav mics? Uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I love them. Ahead, I have, um, so I have a set that I built downstairs um, in, in the living room. That's kind of like my mobile set, my Mac set. And I use the Ceremonic Blink 500s. Um, they're kind of equivalent to the the uh, Rode Video Mic Goes or whatever the the lapel mics, and um, they're 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 really good. And the thing is, like, it allows me to get further away from the camera, so I can like show things off and, and not be right up close to the shotgun. So if you're going to be like moving around and, and and away from the camera a little bit, they're really great. And another cool thing is like with the way these are, you can get really consistent audio recording on your like uh, voiceovers because you can sit there and record your video and then, and then record your voice voiceover with the same exact mic in the same location. And then your, your audio will be consistent throughout the whole video. Cause what's funny is like you get some people who will use a shotgun on a camera, then they do their voiceover with this really good, like, you know, present. Yeah. Present. And, and so oh, it's like, me. it's like a drastic difference between their, what their, their video and then, and then that stuff. So it's like, you know, like Gerald undone, his audio is consistent all the way through his video. Cause he uses the same mic for his voiceover and his, his camera work. So, but I love lapels. That was a long yeah, answer. I, I think lapels are, are okay. The only thing that I don't like is, is, you know, like on hoodies and, you know, things like that, just in terms of like, you know, where exactly they come in at. And, uh, and also just the hookup process, like hiding wires and all of that stuff. I find it a little bit of a headache instead of using my Frankenstein to just like turn everything on and go. I, there, you know, I, I prefer that. They're a pain in the butt, but in the wild, it makes a lot of sense. Every one of us has spoken on a stage, and when you speak on a stage, unless they give you a handheld wireless mic, you're using a wireless lapel mic. And so we've done all of that for our speaking engagements. I have some of my speaking engagements, both full videos and clips, on my YouTube channel, so you can kind of see the experience of what you get out of your own lavalier mic because uh, as you know nick and david when i go on stage i have their lavalier mic but then i'm also recording for my channel and for putting some of that stuff into uh any of my products or whatever so i have 
uh, that recording for me while hopefully not interfering with the signal for them. And it comes out, the quality is really good. Gary V uses the Sennheiser AVX wireless lab. It's about $700. Uh, him and his producer DRock use that. That's what I why I started using that for my stage talks. I just went with what they did. The um in the early days of my YouTube channel, I used a $30 Sony wired lavalier lapel mic and I used an extension aux cable directly into my camera and it immediately improved my results just for my situation of getting that close to me and in my house because I didn't have the money for like expensive gear. I bought uh, I tried to buy a budget shotgun mic that actually didn't end up working out for me back then. So uh, I think if you have like almost no money, just wiring a $30, $50 lavalier wired mic into your camera could be the best cheap budget option for you. And then sometimes if you're in the wild, I know this, wirelessly, when I'm uh, talking to people at conferences, instead of having to mic them up or whatever, that one wireless uh, lapel mic on me is actually still good enough to pick up the conversation of the person standing right next to me in good quality for like an impromptu video. So, I mean, those are just some things that can work for you and just understand you can do it on a budget. In fact, Sony for next month is coming out with a $20 um, lavalier mic that's wired, but you could also plug it into their new wireless system that they released um, last month because they released a $200 digital wireless system. If you already have a Sony camera, then it doesn't even need a cable anymore. It just plugs right in. Um, and... Yeah. Just to speak to your wired thing, you can also, that'll help you with your phone. Like if you're using recorded video on your phone, you can plug those right into your phone and get great quality from your phone if you can't afford a camera yet. Sure has um, some great solutions for that. I think uh, Movo does on a budget as well. And then another budget, um, what's another, there was another budget thing I had in my head. So if you want to go budget wireless, Saramonic has a dual budget wireless lavalier system for about $230 and you get... Um, a, a receiver that can do the dual receiving and you get uh, two transmitters. And I, Justine, and her sister, Jenna, Justine and Jenna Zirak, uh, showed us that those things, when they were testing that with the um, Sony ZV-1, they showed us that that is like one of the best budget wireless lab solutions out there. So you can even go wireless and it might not feel budget for me saying $230, but for what wireless is, that is a budget mic well, solution. And the, I, and that's it's the really good. I use. Yeah, that's the system that I use downstairs. And I have the white version because I have the white Sony ZV-1. Oh, nice. I, I painted my small rig white cage. So I've got oh, that. And then sweet. my white mic mounts to the bottom here. Uh, nice. Yeah, that's, that's really. And they do. They yeah. sound great. Yeah. So, you know, you might want to save it for that. So, like, that's uh, budget stuff. So that's anything from $20 to, like, $200 all the way up to, like, $700 of um, wired or wireless mic. So we got a question here from at Penny's Place says, um, how to make money after being monetized with ads or et cetera. Um, what does CPM and the revenue mean? Um, okay. Roberto. I'll take this. So yep. CPM is cost per mil. Mil is, I believe, um, the Greek standard there for 1,000, uh, which is not what we're familiar with. We think of it as a million, but it's CPM is cost per thousand, but cost per thousand is not that relevant to you today it used to be all we had now youtube tells you rpm 
revenue per mil, how much you pocket after the YouTube partner program, 55, 45 split with 55% going to the creator, 45 going to uh, YouTube uh, directly on any advertising on your videos in the YouTube partner program. Now, there's a new policy to where if you're not monetized with YPP yet, they could be running ads, but not paying you for them. I'll be covering that on a video on June 1st, because that's when the new policy goes completely live. The other thing is if you have super chats, once you're monetized, the revenue split is 70% for the creator and 30% for the platform. So that's just another thing to be aware of in terms of those revenue splits. The same thing for your memberships. Since you get memberships at a thousand subscribers now, you um, have a 70-30 split on memberships with YouTube. If you were doing memberships through Patreon instead, the uh, maximum revenue split on Patreon side, I believe is like 9% if you decide that you want certain P Patreon features, if you want to be in like their pro tier and have a team and all that good stuff. So uh, just be aware of those, uh, those things in how the partner program works. As for the CPMs themselves, so cost per thousand views, is on average for most YouTube creators, not everybody, it's on average, it's two to $5, which means your revenue per 1000 views is between $1 and uh, $2.50 in most case. I can make this actually a lot simpler for everybody to put into their head how making money on YouTube really works if you, if you gentlemen don't mind. So I have a $20 CPM, which is much higher than the average YouTubers. It's like at the almost tippy tippy top, which means for every 1,000 views, I make $10. Here is the problem with that. Basically, what that really means in real life terms is that I make one penny for every view that I get on YouTube. And I'm at the highest here, which means the average YouTuber makes one-tenth of a penny for every view. One-tenth of a penny for every view. If you're an entertainment YouTube channel, and you meet the qualifications to be in the YouTube partner program, on average, to meet those qualifications, you're gonna have to get on average at least probably 100,000 views to be able to get your 1,000 subscribers and your 4,000 hours of watch time to apply and qualify. Now, people think they're missing out on money not being in the partner program. Unless you're going viral, you're not really missing that much because based on those numbers, for you to get your first $100, which they don't give you a payout unless you meet the $100 a month threshold, then it stacks up until you meet that and then you get everything you've made up until then. You're looking at only missing um, 100 bucks for that first 100,000 views uh, because you're probably not going to be a business channel or a personal finance channel, so you're not going to miss out on larger money for that amount of views. And the other problem is to even get there since it's on average for most YouTubers four hours to eight hours uh, to make a single video, to make the amount of content to even get monetized. I already did a calculation, Nick, and the average sunk cost to get into the YouTube partner program, the average sunk cost of labor is about, uh, you know, a good cool $20,000 worth of labor costs sunk to just make the first 100 to $1,000. So it's actually not even break even in your first year of YouTube under almost any circumstance. So there's the numbers. That's what that really looks like. Hope that answers yeah, that question that in full detail. You know, one thing, one thing to stack onto that though is because that's that's just that's just like highlighting the front end is yeah. uh, is that you know that is like the you know like the 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 the, the 
free costs that you put out. Um, one perspective that I saw somebody, and I can't remember who it was. It might have been uh, Graham Stephan or somebody. But but yeah. one uh, thing that they mentioned about YouTube was that, uh, you know, like when people go to school for something, they go to school for like, you know, four years, they put out, you know, they go into debt for it you know, things like that. And then they get out of school Facts. and then like maybe they find a job, things like that. Um, and then in comparison with uh, YouTube, the difference is that for the people that, you know, that actually do go, you know, and put in the effort into making it work um, that, you know, they do have that upfront labor cost. But then, you know, after that and some, you know, some gear, some basic gear and things like that, if they're not doing things on their phone, um, in which all of that stuff you can do, you know, for relatively low cost these days also. But then, uh, you know, like that front end, you take a hit, a big hit at that oh, front yeah. end of all and effort that you put out but then the payoff that you can get you know once you start establishing yourself can you know can start you start reaping those benefits you know relatively quickly oh, facts the the, once, the sunk opportunity cost of college is that. infinitely worse and right. you have debt coming yeah. out of it the sunk opportunity cost of college in terms of time to effort over those four years is considerably worse with um less chance of roi than being a youtuber even yeah. if you get a high level degree the thing is the there's not as much uh opportunity and there's so much gatekeeping in those high level degrees because you have to go into a regulated industry and you still usually um, are underpaid even at um, at that and then don't pay off the student loans for a long time. You pay double the cost. It's like it's absurd. So I agree with you. I just want to tell them straight up that um, <laughs> sure, sure, sure. YouTube may break even the first year. Homie, it's not. <laughs> so Lewis Jr. Uh, YT says um would you buy a course or get a mentor if you want mentor if you wanted to go full-time on youtube i think that just depends on the person so um i think that for some people that having that guidance is really important because depending on what it is that you that you're like your past experience that you had um you know before coming onto youtube um you know like like when you like when you get help through a course or through a mentor Basically, what you're doing is you're tapping into the experience that somebody has to where they can see things differently than you do based on the experience that they have. Like an experienced person can look at your video and say, eh, this right here, this is bad. This is bad. This is great. Keep doing this. This is bad. Um, and they can give you, you know, some general guidance on, you know, how to make your better your video better just by watching through it. Um, and then, uh, you know, with that, you know, that, you know, can come, you know, through a mentor or through a coach. But if you are somebody that is is really good at, you know, like, hey, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna watch this, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna actually learn to, you know, be able to do this stuff myself, and you're really self-reliant in that aspect, then of course, you know, you can, you know, there's a tons of free information out there that can help you also. Um, you also have other methods um, to where, you know, like, like with Roberto, I know that he does his group coaching. I think you do that too, don't you, David? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, so both of these guys, they do group coaching to where, um, it, it lowers the cost in terms of, you know, having a mentor, um, because you're getting it as a group instead of, you know, one-on-one -on -one. cause one-on-one -on -one is typically expensive. And then, you know, when you go and you get, um, mentorship in a group capacity, then it brings the cost down because then everybody part as that, uh, you know, everybody in the group is paying into it. Um, so, uh, you know, both of these guys on the screen right now are solutions for that. I've got a link to Roberto's awesome creator Academy down in the description. Um, What's yours, David? Uh, creatortoolkit.com. Creatortoolkit.com will take you to David's as well. David, yours is more on tech, right? Like on the tech side of like understanding all the tech and well, all of that. 
right? It's it goes there, but no, it's it's basically so my philosophy is like, you know, go go just start creating content for like six months. Just go start making a bunch of videos. Like Roberto says, make a hundred crappy videos. Just start making videos because the thing is, like, if you're try, trying to find this magic formula to help you just become a success on YouTube, it's not really going to work. Um, and the thing is, like, with all these programs, you're learning how to be somebody else, how to do it like somebody else. But you're going to like if you just start creating stuff and putting it out there, you can get feedback from from people for sure. And, and always be learning. Watch videos, watch Nick, watch people, but but kind of take it with like where you're you're upping your skills more than you are like your personality or, or what you're doing, because you want to really focus on being who you are, because that's your differentiator, who you are is going to separate you from everybody else out there. So when you start doing things exactly how these other people are teaching you to do, you're going to want to be them more than you're going to want to be you. And you're going to think you need to be them. So my thing, my whole philosophy is the three C's commit, create, connect. And so like you, you commit to, to yourself and then you start creating. And those two are the hardest to get through because you only have yourself holding yourself accountable. You want to try to get to the connection as soon as possible, which is like your first viewers, your first uh, audience members in a live stream. Because once you reach that connect level, you're connecting with people, then you've got them holding you accountable because you're gonna wanna show up for them because they're showing up for you. So that's what I try to teach people is get to that point as fast as possible by just getting out there and creating freaking content. I think the best and way Roberto for the awesome creator Academy. Can you just give so, us, give us some insights into that too? Just cause I know every stream yeah. we have people asking about this so that we can yeah. just go ahead and get that part out of the way. <laughs> well, a lot of what we focus on on awesome creator Academy is we focus on a lot of the things that you don't even know that you don't even know. <laughs> so we're not really as focused on like, Oh, how to be a big YouTuber or whatever. But like, it's really a goal of trying to get you to uh, be able to be a full-time creator and to teach you about the, the creator economy and the business side of being a full-time content creator. Like you, most people don't realize that a lot of what you would have to know is there's a lot of systems, tools, and logistics. The big YouTubers that you all know and love, you most of people have no idea that they have a team of 10 people or more behind them. And you're not going to have that team starting out, but you know what? You don't, people don't even know the first person that they need to hire and how to do that. First person that, that I hired was I hired my sister as a personal assistant because I needed an extra layer of accountability and I need somebody to take admin work away from me so I could focus more and also make sure to keep my calendar and keep my schedule and also help me prepare for my trips. When I'm on my trips, I usually have a freelancer that's local or my friend um, Jason uh, Liebman who works for our friend uh, Dan Norton right now um, with his business that helps manage YouTube channels. Um, like he, Jason will help film for me and do the photography whenever I'm speaking at an event and help with the behind the scenes and help me film my interviews. So with Awesome Creator Academy, it's not just for people who are full-time, but it's about building you up to where you could one, start making money, even if you don't have ad revenue or something like there's there's things people don't know about negotiating brand deals. We talk about that. We even do role play. We do role play on how to pitch and how to price and things like that. We teach people how to build their digital products. We teach people how to do their branding. We teach people how to set up their systems, how to set up their uh, project management, how to do their research for their uh, projects. There's like a lot of these things that no one will ever watch a YouTube video about. No one will ever watch a YouTube video about this. No one will watch a YouTube video about getting an HR portal to manage your freelancers and your payroll so that when you are trying to pay your people, you know that your people are paid on time and that 
their um, if they're uh, employees that the taxes are taken out for the state taxes and all that stuff. People don't know that there are payroll portals. People don't know about the you know what the benefits are of getting a bookkeeping and an accountant to help you with that, making sure that you have all your stuff in compliance, the benefits of having an LLC for tax purposes, when you need to hire a lawyer as a content creator, you know, so we like, we go into that thing. Yeah. Like all these things, like, you know, like, like both of these guys just went on about like all kinds of like awesome, you know, like concepts and, you know, just things that, you know, that, you know, if you don't have experience that might just seem kind of like alien to you, you know, the ideas might seem alien to you, you know, at this point in time, but that's where having a mentor or going through some of the, you know, coaching can help you, um, in terms of just kind of shortcutting it. And one thing that I really want to highlight, um, is how Roberto just said that, you know, these are things that people won't watch videos about on YouTube. And one thing that is really important to understand is that when it comes to YouTube, um, you know, even us who makes content to help content creators, you know, we also have to make sure that our channels are thriving. So because of that, you know, we have to make our content in a certain way so that people respond to it with the short attention spans that, well, I won't say short attention spans, but with, you know, how people expect content to be on YouTube. And when you do work with somebody one-on-one or you go into a course, everything is structured. And since there's a structure to it, or if it's one-on-one, then it's just that direct immediate feedback. But, um, but you know, if it's through a course, then it's, uh, you know, it's structured. And since that structure is there, you know, you can really deep dive on a particular concept of where on YouTube, people would leave that video at scale. Cause you know, mm-hmm. everything on YouTube is about scale, but you know, on YouTube, people would leave that video quickly, but in reality, like that's the videos that you really want to, that's the, that's the stuff that you really need, but that's the stuff that people just don't respond to. So because of that, people, those videos end up not getting the exposure that they need on the platform. Well, and, so, I, and uh, I try to tell people to take a phased approach because it's like, you know, what, what a lot of people here are in the chat, they're listening to what's being said right now. And they're like, Oh my gosh, I got to know. Oh my gosh, I got to know that. Like, do your first six months and don't worry about that stuff because it doesn't matter at the beginning. You just need to start creating content because what happens is if you think you need to know all this stuff right now, you're going to get overwhelmed. You're going to be like, I can't do all this, you know? So, so you just need to start creating content. And that's why I very strategically put a seven day challenge at the beginning of my workshop, because I want people just to make content and then let's figure it out from there. Get out there, get a camera, get it hooked up so that you get the tech out of the way, all that other stuff, use your phone, whatever it is and get committed to doing it first. And then that's why I say create six months first, because at that six month mark, then we can look at where are you? You know, there's, it's, it's going to be easy 18 months before you ever start to see any kind of, of, of growth to where you really are going to start to have to worry about the taxes, unless you get lucky. There are some people that get very lucky and will end up with like 80,000 subscribers in like, you know, six months or something. It's very rare, but you have to do the work. And, and doing the work, you know, you can watch and learn some of this stuff. I would like but- to reframe that idea and say that talented, like, you know, some people come in with, you know, with good ideas or with talent and they'll get, you know, that 80,000 subscribers. Yeah. yeah talent. <laughs> talent more than luck. Yes. Like, 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 uh, um, what's his name? Peter McKinnon didn't do that with luck. He did that with talent, raw talent. So yes. So one thing really quick, um, Anthony's Advice Academy Tips says you guys need to understand not all of us are making this a full-time job. Totally. We totally mm-hmm. understand that um, without question. Um, but you know what? For the Most people are not making this a full-time job. Even people that are here in the chat, for example, we have um, Paul Peck Drywall Tube here. Um, we have uh, Roger Wakefield. Both of these guys are just killing it. 
on YouTube and both of them could go full time just on their YouTube channels, but they don't. They still have, you know, their businesses they run and, you know, all of that as well. Like, um, you know, we know that not everybody is, you know, wanting to be a YouTuber full time um, and that, you know, people have other things going on in their lives. We are totally, uh, absolutely well, aware of that. And but one to be thing, very like, real. I really focused on at the beginning is, oh, sorry, Roberto. Um, yeah. One thing that I really focused on in the beginning is the fact that you're not going to get access to monetization on any of these platforms right from the beginning. So, you know, I teach people set up, buy me a coffee or something like that to use that first, just to like get used to calls to action uh, and then look at YouTube revenue, Facebook revenue or anything down the line as supplemental to that. Like don't, don't 100% rely on these platforms revenue because it changes, things change all the time where you can kind of have that in your own hands from the very beginning and then look at YouTube uh, ad revenue and all that as supplemental. So like, what I wanted to bring up was a couple of things because I'm also reading the chat. A couple of things. Yes, people are doing this for a hobby, but I really doubt that the majority of people who come every weekend and spend three or four hours on Nimmin Live are looking to only be a hobby creator, even if they want to say that out loud. So we're trying to also give some of that advice because by the way, if you're a hobby creator, nothing wrong with that. Guess what? YouTube has an entire free YouTube creator academy that you could be using as a hobby creator in the description. We've made hundreds of videos between us for everybody that's a hobby creator that's not even trying to be full-time, that's just trying to get um, a little, build out a niche or something like that. Someone said, stupid to lay out the outfront cost. It's not stupid to lay out the outfront cost because there are people who go $30,000 into debt to start a YouTube channel. There's people who go out and run up a $5,000 credit card to go buy camera gear they don't even know how to use. So it's not stupid to lay out the cost. It's actually being honest because if we tell you that, it's actually to our credit to tell you that instead of encouraging you to buy a like $1,000 course from one of us or from an affiliate link or something something like that. So, you know, if we wanted to be scumbags about it and everything like that, we would sit here and hype it would you up be on much the dream. Easier. It would be oh, much yeah. easier to say, hey, I've got a link to this really expensive camera down in the uh, description. You should go buy it like right now. Max. It's a lot easier to and do that than to say, famous. like, hey, you don't, you know, like if you're, you're going to invest a lot of money that you might not need to. Go Max. buy this $800 so lay- camera and you will be famous. <laughs> yeah. So laying out the cost, laying out how much money you'll realistically make or not make on YouTube. It's not about discouraging you and it's not about it being stupid to say that. What it's really about is the reality and you can't ever say from now on that someone lied to you and that someone sold you a pipe dream or someone sold you like kind of a YouTube pump and dump kind of thing to blow up their sub base by making you believe in something that's not in your capability to do. Someone told you the truth. Someone told you that the opportunity cost of you doing YouTube is that you're not going to necessarily make money off of YouTube ad revenue. You might want to think about other business models and diversify. You might not want to think about, there are people here that are thinking about whether they're going to stay in college or do YouTube, whether they're going to go to college as summer is coming up and you know they're making decisions about their life. There are people here who are thinking about, do I take a gap year and pursue my dream and try and see if I can go full-time in a year? Or do I go to college and do YouTube part-time? There are people thinking about that. By the way, just because that's not your situation, there's almost 300 plus uh, people. In the, almost Yeah, there's, there's over 300 people in the chat. There's any number of different people with different circumstances. Nick's been answering questions for over two hours. We're adding in some different perspectives here because people have different goals. So when you're in the chat, just realize that whatever doesn't apply to you, there might be 50 other people that we're speaking to, that this is exactly what they might need to hear right now. Or even one. 
Mm-hmm. That just, you know, if it's just one person that, you know, that yeah. needs to hear that information, then, you know, that it's for them. So um, for the uh, for the next question, I think this would be interesting to hear from everybody. Um, uh, like with what, what you guys know now, what's something that you wish that you knew um, before you started your channel? Me, I wish that I just really understood like the potential and like that this is something serious. Um, Cause when I started the channel, it was more of, you know, when I first came onto YouTube, it was more of a, like, yeah, let's kind of, you know, just make some videos and see how this thing's going to work out. And I didn't really understand the, um, the potential that was here and the opportunity that was here. And I wish that I knew that when I first started, because my entire approach would have, uh, would have been, you know, different. Luckily, somebody brought that to my attention early on, <laughs> which changed my approach. Um, but, you know, um, but I wish that I would have known that. How about you guys? I'll let David go first. Okay. Yeah. So I wish I would have known that this was all I needed at the beginning. Um, mm. Because I was somebody who was in that group of people that I had to have the tech, I had to have the camera, I had to have the microphone. And if it didn't look and sound like I wanted it to, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't going to do this, right? Cause I couldn't put myself out there like that. When I realized, you know, by watching other content and seeing people build, you know, hundred thousand subscriber channels with just their iPhone, I'm like, man, I wish I would have known that. And I wish I would have known that it, it's, it's the consistency that is the most important thing, like being consistent to the content and, and doing it on a regular basis and not worrying about the tech and stuff, not worrying about, you know, the one thing I will say is worry about your audio, but other than that, you know, just, just get it out there. Just get your content out there is what I wish I would have known. Indeed. Um, I feel that thing I would have done differently and the, um, the, the single largest colossal mistake on my channel and probably the thing that, uh, would have me get a lot more views and I'd probably be over a million subs is I wish that I understood the value of, um, putting enough of your personality into your content and building a deeper emotional connection with your audience and making them invested in you and knowing a good strategy for that because I'm someone who in general, people don't understand that I am introverted. They think that being on camera makes you not an introvert or being on live streams make you not an introvert. That's not true. Or even speaking on stage. When I Most first started big YouTubers, are- that was one of the first things that I that I realized about a lot of YouTube content creators is like when you go and you start meeting people in person, you start realizing that tons of content creators where you think would be extroverts because of how they are on camera. Um, you would think that they're extroverts, but really they're they're introverts, yeah, but they're I'm comfortable in their home environment. So I just exactly. want to say that. Really yeah, like exactly. I didn't realize that I went to conferences. Ex- exactly. So I, I wish that like it was already very hard and if you watch my early videos it was like very hard for me to not be stiff and not to um be like very self-conscious about being on camera it's very emotionally difficult to be on camera and not be self-conscious and that's why you have to make those first 100 crappy videos is you just have to get used to it but the thing is even when i got used to it what i didn't even though i've made videos where i've been more vulnerable or I've like talked about personal things or what have you is I wish I had had a very like more thought out and consistent over the years way of like constantly reinforcing the idea of telling my actual own story and things that I've been through in life and being able to build that relationship with my audience because that's how you build the deep loyalty within your audience and your tribe that's how you get to a place to where uh, there are people who no matter whether what you're talking about applies to them or not they show up for you So I would tell anybody in this audience that like the biggest mistake I made in my YouTube content was hiding behind the things that I'm good at, hiding behind my successes, my processes, and hiding behind 
doing what I feel I'm smart at and good at, just like I did in school. In school, I hid behind my um, grades or my talent or the things that I was good at so that I didn't have to feel insecure or vulnerable. Um, I leaned into almost exclusively anything that would make people respect me or at least not um, be hypercritical of me because I was getting a result that they can't. And I feel that it's the single biggest mistake I've made in my career is just not building a deeper relationship with my audience by talking about what I know instead of talking about what I've lived. Well, and I have I I had a, started a podcast called Unapologetically Me, uh, and that's what one of the things that I really focus on is teaching people to be unapologetically them. Like, don't apologize for the things you can't control. Just be who you are, and that's who people are going to connect with. That's the thing that differentiates you from every other creator is you. That's the that's the one thing that you got that is going to be different. Your production could look just like Peter McKinnon, but you'll deliver information totally different because you got to deliver it your way. So, you know, if you're trying to be somebody else and you're trying to emulate other people, sure, I get it on the production side, but don't try to emulate the personality because the thing is, you might have something that makes you this much better than even Peter McKinnon and you just don't know it yet because you're so scared to put it out there. But don't be afraid to do that. And like I said, when you're being unapologetic, don't apologize for the things that you can't control. If you got a gap in your teeth, your hair's messed up, you got a big nose, whatever it is, you can't help that stuff. Don't worry about it because there's a lot of people who get so fixated on those little things about themselves. But the thing is, it doesn't matter. Even if you're somebody who's a monotone, like really low energy, there is an audience for you, I swear. You only need a thousand people. Don't get fixated on the millions. Get fixated on the ones that show up for you. Another thing as well is um, like in this situation right here, serious question, what are some options you have? Uh, and I see, and I'm, I have another guest that's coming on right here in a second as well. Says, um, what are some options if you have generally low um, energy personality on a medium uh, dominated by high energy influencers? I want to let you know that high energy is not a requirement. So um, I watch a YouTube channel called Nomad Capitalist. He is just completely chilled out. And, uh, and, and I just love how he communicates and he's not, you know, over the top or, you know, or, you know, like super energetic. He's just chilled out. Um, I also, uh, watch Curtis Judd. He's, you know, he's in a similar way. DSLR shooter. Um, he's another one just like Jailed, that. Yep. So you don't have to have, like people think that in order to, to, to present well on YouTube, that you have to be like obnoxious and, and all of that stuff. But that's not the case at all. What you have to do is you have to communicate clearly and you have to, you know, be you. And that is the thing that people attach to. One thing that you always hear us recommend though, is, you know, if you do want to, you know, make sure that you maintain like your real life energy when you're on camera, try to just raise your energy up just a tad for the camera so that, you know, when you are communicating on camera, it's more like you are in real life because the camera does take away a little bit of energy. Well, Marquez is probably the boys and girls. I would like to bring to your <laughs> attention, Benji Travis, Benji. <laughs> What is What's up, man? Going on? Where in the heck are you? What's going on? Same studio. Just wow, uh, that different. looks amazing. Yeah, thank you. Set. I was going. I was going for like the Darth Vader vibe, you know. Nailed in. it. <laughs> yeah, it's you good nailed to see it, you guys. Welcome. Yeah, nice to see you. Nice to see you also, dude. Nice to see you uh, coming in and hanging out, man. How yeah, are things? Good, good, good to be here. Uh, it's been a while. I've been hanging out on Clubhouse basically the last four months. Um, but I see that you got a new look as well, Nick. So loving the vibes and great to see everyone. Roberto, David, what's up? What's up? How's it going, man? It's happening. So um, so we'll keep on moving with the questions here. We've got uh, L Amadian 
says, if, uh, if I had to buy one single roller wall-mounted background system, um, what color of paper must I buy to create thumbnails? I have an RGB light as well. Dark Technically, gray. you can use any color paper uh, in order to create your thumbnails, but we'll let the tech guys... Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I go with the dark gray because every color you put on it, you can get so many different looks out of one color. Exactly. You can do all of the looks out of just having that dark gray. It's the answer to everything. There we go. And uh, let's see here. Next up on the list, why isn't any woman with them? Um, there's women in the group. They just don't come in. Yeah, so we don't attract women. Like timing. Yeah, I share a link into the um, Facebook group, and anybody that's available has the option to come in. And I've got a bunch of you know trusted people in that group, and uh, and only the people come in that you know where the time zones work out and you know things like that. Because people have lives. Guys, we don't have anything so, to do. We're just like we're in our man caves yeah, we'll hanging do. out. I don't have nothing to do. Yeah, we just I like had to, out, you know play games. But I had you know, to. <laughs> I had to, um, you know, I had to do breakfast and a lot of times, sometimes I'll even miss Nimmin live because of breakfast, but it's like, all right. So for us as guys, we literally can throw on hoodies, hats, headphones, and we're done. Yeah. And that's it. Like when, uh, cause this, this question comes up almost okay, every week and I, and I understand where it's coming from. I understand where this question is coming from, but I want to then reverse it. I want to reverse it onto the people asking these questions. Let, because, and I, I and like, I'm not going to be, it's not contra, I don't think it's controversial. But it's like, because here's my issue with this, because I, I feel like it's a politically correctness thing. Because, like, let's just be very real about that. It is. It is. It is. It is. I'm going to be real about that. There is a lower barrier to entry for men to get on camera right away. Facts. There's a lower barrier of entry for men to get on camera. That's part of the reason. It's not about not including people. It's about the actual legitimately understanding that if one of our female counterparts wants to get on camera with us and everything like that, first of all, we're all in different time zones. Nick's on the other side of the world. So the thing mm -hmm. is, it's not always in people's schedule. Benji can't even always be on because in addition to having his own show and his own program to do and his own business to run, uh, Benji has... I'm losing track of how many kids you have at this point. Man, <laughs> four, like, four. He has, he has, he has yeah, four ladies, beautiful four ladies. young girls. He has, he four has ladies. four beautiful daughters. Benji has four beautiful daughters, a lovely wife, a business to run. And so Benji can't even be on all the time because he's a parent versus, you know, the single dudes out here can just do things at a drop of a hand. So just understand that when you don't see certain things happening and everything like that, it's not because people aren't invited. It's not because people don't want to come on. It's not because of an environment that was created. I understand where people are kind of coming from and that they'd like another perspective or something. But here's the thing. Live streaming is extraordinarily challenging. Anyone who's ever done it needs to respect that. And if you haven't done it, you have to understand that there's about a good 30 minutes of tech prep for a live stream if you're doing it well and you want to do it well. But there's an added burden to our female counterparts of a lot of um, prep on their side beyond what just the technical part of a live stream is on top of availability issues. So the well, thing is, I respect the fact that it is much more of a, um, it's much more challenging for any female creator that sacrifices the time to come onto a live program. For us dudes, we can do it in five minutes. Right, and let me show you something too. And I'm sure you guys, I'm sure you, like I can do it. One, I roll out of bed, a drool still on my mouth, and I'm gonna camera. But <laughs> like let me show like, you guys. All right, <laughs> hey, what's going on, everybody? Let Welcome me show you guys something <laughs> that's probably. You guys are probably all gonna have the very same looking stat, but let me switch to my desktop and look at this. 
Age and gender for my for my audience, female, 2%, male, 98%. Wow. So there's just, you know, I for for the kind of content that I do, um, and I don't know if it's similar for you guys, but that is the stat that I have on my channel. So, you know, that's it's just the nature of that as well. So there we go. When are you going to stop experimenting on your YouTube channel? Um, how do you find your final niche content once you find something that works? So when you find something that people respond to and that yes. you enjoy doing, um, that's when you know that you found your thing. Um, so, you know, just because you are um, doing experimentation, um, you know, if you're like, hey, I want to try this type of content and then this type of content, um, you know, like what you want to look for is when I do when I do this, people respond to it more than when I do this. And I really enjoy doing this and this, but people are responding to this more. So is this the direction that I want to move in? If so, then yes, you follow that. Any other ideas on that, fellas? Yeah, there's a guy, um, there's a, I forget what his name is, but he's a YouTube expert, uh, Paddington, uh, or Pat, not Paddington, Patty. Sean Cannell. Patty Galloway? Patty Galloway, sorry. I was watching a Paddington tweet thing about how it's not number one on Ryan Tomatoes, so that's why. But Patty Galloway has an amazing channel where he reviews and dives into why creators are successful on this platform. It's an amazing channel. Definitely go check it out. Um, but I recently chatted with him on the phone, and he told me that he started 10 different channels before he landed on the one that he felt like not only did he resonate with, but his audience resonated with. So I echo what you said, Nick, um, but also there's no one size fits all for this question. Uh, some people will get on and the first thing they do, my wife, for example, a uh, first channel she created beauty just hit just right. Um, you could even say like for me, I've had different types of channels. Um, I'm still in the experimenting phase in, in the sense that like, I, I don't just have one channel because I have these different passions. But I, I think the question more, uh, Nick, is really for you, the creator. What is it that you want to do? One of the reasons why channels fail is because that's not really what you're excited about. Uh, it shows up on camera. Uh, maybe that's not what you're really an expert at. Maybe you are just copying other people because you want to be like that person. Nothing wrong with emulating someone or looking up to a, another channel, another creator. But uh, I, I think that self-awareness is really the path that you want to go on because once you're more self-aware, I think it's going to really open up your mind to what it is that you're going to be able to offer the value proposition that will align best with you as a person. Yeah, totally agree. You know, one of the things that YouTube recommends, um, you know, because I know there's a lot of people in here that are just starting their YouTube channels. One of the things that YouTube recommends in the YouTube Creator Academy, which a link to that's in the description, everybody here should go through it if you haven't already. Um, but what, what they recommend is if you don't know what to do, then, you know, just put out like the things that you care about. Like Benji was saying, you know, it's important to make sure that that the content that you're making is content that if it takes off, if people start responding to that content, that that's a direction that you're willing to go in and that you're willing to walk in that direction for a considerable amount of time. Because what happens in that situation is YouTube has presented your content to the right people. Those people responded to it, therefore causing those videos to do better. And if you start walking down that path, what YouTube says in the Creator Academy is experiment all you want to with things that you're passionate about. But once you find content that does better, 
start making more of that content. That's exactly what they say there. Um, so it's really important to make sure that you are putting out content that you care about so that if you do put out a piece of content and it starts doing well, then you know, okay, hey, this is cool. I'm passionate about this. I enjoy making this type of content so I can do this for, you know, quite some time, whatever, you know, that, that time limit looks like. So now is a great time if you have a question, because um, we have some just um, amazing amount of expertise here on the screen right now. Um, so if you have a question, make sure you put a cue in front of it so that we know it's for us and not a side conversation in, um, in, the, uh, in the chat. So if you have a question, put it in front of us. Um, so do you find that recorded videos do better than live videos? Um, typically, yes, but some live content does also crush as well. Yeah. Your experience, everybody? Yeah, I can tell you it depends on your overall strategy because the like as is said, the whole thing is viewer enjoyment. But I think that there's also something to be said for it's not by its it's not in and of itself. I think the problem is setting expectations for an audience, conditioning an audience, and then uh, delivering on it. And the problem with most people are not good at subverting expectations. Um, you know, not to rub salt in people's wounds, but it's like. Last Jedi, okay? Uh, subverting expectations doesn't always work. Sometimes you have to give people the steak that they asked for, cut the way that they like it with the sauce that they've come to enjoy. So and this, so that's why sometimes you want to talk about, okay, well, do live streams work versus record? There's people who are swearing by YouTube shorts, and then there's people who it's not working out for. There's people that YouTube shorts is the first thing that's ever worked out for them. There's people that live streams is the first thing that ever worked out for them. And what's normally working for most people or a lot of people may not work. The thing that we know the most about, though, is recorded video because it's the longest running thing there is on YouTube. And it's the thing there's the most of. So, of course, it's going to feel that way. But it's whatever you build your audience off of that worked. So just kind of that's my grand yeah, assault on it. And what I want to say to that is like live streaming, you know, there's this whole uh, feeling that it, it hurts your channel. But the thing is, like. A lot of people I see doing live streams, it's like Nick can do it because he's got a big audience. He can say Nick Nimmin live, and that's all he has to say. He has an audience that'll get those notifications. But if you're somebody new and you're trying to grow, you have to be just as strategic with your live streams as you are with your videos, meaning you got to do the titles the right way. You got to look I still to try do that to rank too. them. Yeah, like I do. still do that too because of the value, you know, like I understand the value of that, right? Yeah. Like, like Nim and Live, just to unpack what, what you're saying right there, um, like Nim and Live, if I put that there, then, you know, like regular viewers would get that. But I'm also trying to reach new people. Right. So, you know, one of the ways that I can reach new people is by doing what David's talking about right now with the titles. Continue, David. I just wanted yeah. to. I changed mine off of what you did, Nick. I changed my live stream strategy based on you. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like a lot of people just think like, I, I know so many people, they're like, I want to do a live stream, but it's just going to be a variety show. And it, and they do no, no research or anything. And they're not really trying to hit a certain audience. YouTube does not work for discovery. If you're just somebody who's live streaming, you might get lucky and get a person here or there, but you have to be very strategic with your titles, do your keyword research and everything, just like you're doing a recorded video. And that's when I do that, that's when I see new people coming into my streams. So, you know, if you want to do live streaming, you can do it. It's just, it, it is uh, a lot more, it's a lot more work because as you're streaming, you're also trying to talk to the audience and stuff. So for, for mm -hmm. the replay, when people come in and they're seeing all that, they're kind of like, uh, I came here to learn about this camera. I didn't really want to. So you want to try to deliver that meat as, as quick as, as uh, close to the beginning as you can, and then go into the, the other stuff. So there is somebody that actually, um, does this 
but not really optimizing the titles. Her name is Emily Baker. She's an attorney that covers uh, lawsuit topics, uh, different like latest and like I, I guess examples of uh, legal uh, discussions. And she can literally get 10,000 people, concurrent viewers, David. Okay. But to your point, she is just covering it as an attorney of 20 years to other attorneys, and she's staying on topic. She literally reads out the whole lawsuit, like word for word, and so it's very interesting. Uh, she just recently hit 100,000 subscribers after, like I think, like eight months of doing this. Oh, wow. And I think she, her big thing is she's strategic about the timing. Definitely the timing. Secondly, she knows her stuff. She's mm -hmm. exciting. Uh, people are really interested. I'm not even interested in those topics, but I watch her. I'm like, wow, this is fascinating how she's breaking down these court cases. So uh, I think that there's different variables. Again, it goes back to you, the creator. The reason it makes sense for Emily is because she knows her stuff. She has the chops. She has the experience. Also, she can relate so uh, closely with these viewers who a lot of them are attorneys or interested in these topics. And then I, I definitely want to echo what you said, Roberto timing is like on point. She is on that. Like sometimes like, how'd you even find out about this? Um, because sometimes like court cases are that day. Um, but it all, it definitely goes back to you as a creator. So I would argue her edited videos probably aren't as good because she doesn't know how to edit as well. But live for her works perfectly. So it, it's going to be subjective to you, the creator. And, and it plays to her strengths because the thing is, as an attorney, she would have to perform in a live fashion to a mm. usually a hostile crowd in a courtroom, mm. per se, or a or very judgmental crowd. Or very judgmental. <laughs> it's like, ah, oh, well played, sir. Well played. So think about it. So it lends itself to her strengths. It lends itself to her strengths is the live experience, uh, being able to be receptive to what's happening in the audience, the timing thing, going into her expertise, because the thing is she has the ability to perform there and lean into the thing she's confident in, the thing that she's confident in. If she has to read a script, she's not as confident with that possibly. If she has to think about how this thing is going to like look or how this is going to be edited, all those things. Like, so the thing is, it's about playing to your strengths. You know, one thing too that I just want to mention really quick is I've never heard of her before. This is my first time hearing about her. And oh, you'd I'm love her. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at her at her uh, at her channel right now, and I just opened up her video, and I see like her yeah. scene, I see how she's dressed, her glasses she's wearing, yeah. things like that, and I can just imagine that that like without even hearing her speak, just watching her move and some of her uh, you know her rollovers, um, that she is just extremely relatable. So, like, and very animated too. Mm -hmm. And what? Very animated of and animated. Yeah. yeah. Like, like typically when you watch what like lawyers talk about things, you know, they're, they're, they're relatively rigid um, because they, you know, they got that professional image to maintain. Um, but her, like, it seems like she's more of like, you know, uh, just more relatable um, in that sense, just from like looking at her set, how she has it all like YouTubed out, <laughs> you know, like the colors and her little counter back there and, you know, all that good stuff. And, and just how, you know, she seems to, you know, look right here uh, on the screen definitely seems like she would be a, a, a relatable um, person as well. Yeah, I just, yeah, just recently stumbled all on her. Yeah, sure. so, and David, definitely someone you want to check out, like, in terms of uh, maybe connecting and seeing what she does, because I haven't seen a new creator go live so soon and do so well. 10,000 concurrent viewers, um, she can easily hit that. She came onto my show, and I think we had, like, a 1,000 people I think like we we breach over a thousand just because her audience is so loyal 
that they just wanted to hang out with her. They might not even try to, they're not trying to be YouTubers. And so when you have a loyal audience, I think this goes back to your community and why engagement is so important. Um, and she speaks to the power of that even in the beginning, when you care about that audience and mm -hmm. you can connect with them at such a high level, uh, you don't even know what's possible. Um, I, I used to do live streams for 24 hours um, uh, straight. Um, every December it was called Dan Zember. And the highest we ever hit concurrent viewers was 25,000 concurrent viewers. But it took us 24 hours to get to that. We're raising like half a million dollars. We had all these YouTubers. David, you know this, right? Mm -hmm. We had YouTubers from all over the country. Da By the way, David Foster was the one helping us in one of our final years. But, but, Emily, she a one man woman, one woman band, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Literally solo, just crushing it. And so this is because of YouTube. This is because there's so much opportunity that people don't even know yet. And she's one of my favorite case studies about what is possible on YouTube. So anybody watching, if you want to see a new creator that is crushing it and doing it in her own way, but she's still, uh, I, I guess, um, applying the fundamentals, one of the best examples right now. You can get a lot further than people want to believe on fundamentals. They all think they need a secret sauce. They need a secret hack. Sometimes people do need specific information, but Emily benefited from doing what she's good at, knowing her stuff, doing what she's passionate about and combining what she's passionate about with practical fundamentals, the bare bones, and that's it. Yeah, she just put her head down and went to work. And that's what you got to do. You just got to put your head down and start creating content and stop looking for magic formulas because they they don't exist. Like every every single person will read something and get something completely different out of it. So, you know, you've got everything like from Nick right up here, right, right up there. You've got everything he's showing you to do on your channel is all you need right now. Just get to creating content and then do like this guy says, make a hundred crappy videos. Just make just make content. Super chat. Ukrainian perspective says big fish in a small pond or small fish in a big pond. I talked about relationships in my niche. Now trying to diversify. Will that confuse the audience? Um, thoughts? There's a way I would do it. There's a way I would do it. I don't like. There's no. I don't believe there's a single niche in YouTube that's over um saturated. But I do believe every niche has a different level of difficulty. In the same way that if you look at any other career. I want everyone to start treating YouTube and thinking of that as a legitimate career. That's one of the pivots I've made in how I address YouTubers and as content creators. And I say, think about this as you being a career content creator. Stop thinking of your YouTube identity, your TikTok identity, your Instagram identity, even with regard to your niche. Don't even think like that. Think about this as a career. In your career, what you do is for the value of the consumer. It's for the value of the market. It's for the people that you are creating value for. That's how markets work. That's how careers work. That's how businesses work. Whatever your job or career is, it's about the people who are on the other end of the service or product that you're providing. So you're helping people with relationship advice. Fantastic. There's a lot of different dynamics and things that ultimately build up to being in a relationship. So there's a personal development side of it of what to do to become an attractive mate by taking good care of yourself and being responsible, whether you're a guy or a gal, right? So there's that part of it that could be diversity of content there. In the same way, that's something brilliant about uh, the personal finance YouTubers like Graham Stephan is they'll have like a whole playlist that's about crypto. 
a playlist about his own experiences as a real estate agent, a playlist about the mindset of being a successful person, frugality, managing money when you've got it, saving money when you have it, investing. The whole theme of his channel is money. And then there's different aspects into it, investing, saving, making, managing, um, the mentality of money and different means of money, so on and so forth. Relationships. So relationships, there's a lot of different things. There's the part of you know, being a good mate by working on yourself. There's how to communicate to other people. There's how to attract other people. There's all these things. If you make yourself the best resource for people who want to be in a relationship, maintain the relationship they have or are already in one, if you look at the different phases, stages, and dynamics of relationships, there's a lot that you can do there because it's not about being a small fish, big pond. You're too worried all of you are too worried about the environment. You're too worried about your competitors. You're too worried about the platform. You're too worried about the niche. You're too worried about everything, but just how you can make yourself the most useful, valuable person in the world. Just get in the damn pond. <laughs> Be the most valuable person in the world to someone who needs what you are providing. Make yourself indispensable. I am trying everything I can to make myself indispensable to someone who wants a career as a creative person and wants to be a creative person, regardless of what tool on the internet they're using, and make a full-time income from it. I'm trying to make myself the most useful person to them. I'll be real. I'm not always going to get views that are proportionate to what people think my subscribership is supposed to do for me. I'm not always going to get views based on what people assume I'm going to get views from the people that that particular video is actually genuinely made for. So I just want you to think about the audience. Everything you do just should be in the service of your audience. So I want you to be super intentional about your audiences because it's not about confusing them. It's about benefiting them. Everything you do should be the for the benefit of the viewer on the other end of a video. Boom. Next up, we have Dallas Cowboys Network says, I'd love to uh, chat with one of you guys. Uh, wait, I would love to chat um, with one of you guys about looking to get into the sports Super side of chat. YouTube videos, um, live streaming. I've learned a lot from non-sports channels um, like you guys and have had success. So um, uh, Roberto has his awesome Creator Academy. You can find information about that down in the description. He does group consulting through that. Um, I think he does one-on-one -on -one still um, as well. Um, I know David has his group um, as well at the Creators Guild. Benji, are you doing any type of coaching or anything like that right now? I coach influencers who already have an audience, uh, people that are looking to scale their business. If you're a beginner or you're just starting out, Video Influencers is a channel I have um, for any creators who are looking to uh, you know, grow their audience, get more views. There we go. So yeah, so so you can reach out to anybody on screen. So I've got links to everybody down in the uh, description below so you can find everybody, uh, you can find everybody there. Um, and then next up, we have uh, Latino Slant says, love this Super channel. Um, I've used a lot of your videos to grow my channel. I'm now monetized since early April. High five and fist bump to you. Nice work. Um, says, getting Super Chats and having 37 monthly memberships. You guys helped me. Gracias, hombres. High five and fist bump. Well done on your side. Nice work in actually making it happen. You know, one of the one of the awesome things that I love about doing this stream every Saturday is the people that come in and they, they say things like that, where it's like, you know, hey, took some of the information, you know, applied it, you know, now this is what's happening. Like, I absolutely love that part of the stream. But the, the, the one thing that I love about it the most 
is that I know that, you know, there's going to be some people that are, that are hanging out in the stream right now and you're like listening to the stream or you're watching the stream and, you know, you're hearing it, but you're not, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that aren't going to actually open up their channels and actually, you know, take notes on the things that, you know, some of the information and actually start applying stuff. But I love it when I get that feedback and people are like, you know, they, they actually took the information and they ran with it and they put in the effort and they actually, you know, rolled up their sleeves and got dirty, so to speak. That's the part about, you know, people coming in and saying things like that, that I absolutely love. Um, you know, like a lot of times they'll give us, you know, some of the credit for it, but at the end of the day, you know, it's you that went through the process of making the videos of deciding to have the YouTube channel, having the courage to start a channel in the first place and actually, you know, tr seeking information um, and seeking knowledge about what you can do to, you know, to excel. Um, so, you know, because of that, you know, high five and piss bump to you and give yourself a pat, big pat on the back uh, for, for that. So uh, let's see here. So next question that we have here, um, any recommendations for a new streamer? Think of the replay. Think of the replay. So live streams are great for the live experience, but also think, especially if you're just getting started, about your replay. And the reason that you want to think about your replay even more so when you're first getting started is because you might not have a lot of people in your live stream when you're first uh, you know, getting going. And because of that, you might actually end up getting more views on your live stream after the stream is complete. So because of that, just consider the length of time that your streams are running for. Consider uh, you know, how you're structuring your live stream as well. So one thing that's that uh, t is typically effective in video content is when the video first starts, you you create a hook of some kind or you at least give people context to what the video is going to be about, the things that you're going to be talking about, the things that you're going to be sharing or whatever. So because of that, you know, when you're doing your live streams and you're considering the replay, don't use any countdown timers, anything like that. Just start your stream, go for it. And right when your stream starts, drop your hook or just start explaining what it is that you're going to be doing in that live stream and then start the process of doing that live stream. And the reason that you want to do that is because you need to grab their attention and just kind of create the, some type of story about what it is that's going to be happening in the video as they come in to, to grab their interest and actually create that um, interest for them to where they're like, yeah, I, I want to watch, you know, more of this piece of content um, because I want to know the things they're sharing or I want to see if they were able to complete that challenge in the game or whatever it happens to be with the type of content that you're making. Any well, other suggestions? Everybody yeah. here live streams like maniacs. Anybody, any have, <laughs> anybody have additional questions? Or size audio. What I was going to say is like you, you have to understand that when you're just getting started, if you're just starting as a live streamer and you've not done anything to build any audience whatsoever yet, you're going to be streaming to zero viewers. So you're only going to have replay viewers yes. that you're using to build. So you have to treat that just like you're doing a video. So what I always tell people is what problem are you solving on your video? So your, your title needs to be the question that the person has, and then your live stream needs to be the solution. And you need to go, you know, when you first, cause, cause the replay viewers are what's going to build the audience for your next live streams, right? So you have to be very strategic. And then as that starts to grow, there's a formula that you do your stream, you start, you, like Nick says, you deliver the information, what's coming up, then you deliver that. And then you stop, you do some engagement if there's people there, but like you, you can't be like, okay, now I'm going to take some questions from the audience. Cause I see people like for their first <laughs> couple of streams, they're like, we're going to do an open Q and a, <laughs> and it's like, okay, we're going to wait for a question, you know, and there's nobody there. So you can't, you can't bake that into your live streams right away, but you have to have like meet engagement, meet engagement. And if you're delivering your meat and there's been no engagement, you just go right to the next section of meat. Uh, and they're right to the next section of meat. And then as you grow, you'll start to get people in there so that you do meet engagement, ask to answer some questions that are relevant to the, the meat you just delivered. And then you go on to the next piece of meat. And then <laughs> I think, Nick, do you... <laughs> 
That's, I've been saying it like that for like 10 years. Let me, yeah. let me give the advice to the people who are going to just realistically have zero or five people on a stream or like straight up zero or whatever. What, what do you do if you have zero people on a stream? First of all, you don't make the live stream about engagement. You then make it about, cause some people will live stream and they'll live stream their podcast like, or they will live stream knowing they don't have an audience. If it's practice, it's practice. That's fine. But the thing is, you also should be structuring it to have, okay, what to be, this video will be fine even with zero people live. So it's then set up for you to even cut it up and use it to uh, for the replay because some people, they use their live streams as a way to produce their content so they don't have to really edit or they don't have to edit a lot. That's where they'll set up their graphics, their switchers, their virtual cam, their scenes, so on and so forth, especially if you're streaming on Twitch, for example, right? And then you're going to post the clips to YouTube. There are a lot of people who make their YouTube videos by doing Twitch and doing it live. So even if you have zero viewers, you have to be able to make something that you feel is going to be good for the replay value, like Nick and Benji and David have already talked about. The other thing is, in my opinion, at least, you have to get used to the idea of streaming anyway and knowing what you're going to do in a live stream and having that zero audience plan. Yeah. And you can't be emotion. In my opinion, you need to be indifferent to whether or not you're getting validated from an audience, whether you're doing YouTube or you're doing live streaming. I think the best thing that everybody here could do is probably go watch Captain Simbad's videos about stoic philosophers and learn to start being different being indifferent to difficulty. You want to start conditioning yourself to be a YouTuber? Here's a trick for you. Do 30 days of cold showers, Matt Diavella style. I'm not even joking. Just literally punish yourself with cold showers by becoming indifferent. I did that for like two days. And I was like, nah, this isn't for me. Yeah, yeah. I did it once. I'm not a cold shower <laughs> it's guy. Like, cause that because yeah. guess what? Then then if things aren't going well on YouTube or social media or whatever, and like instead of saying they're saying it's like, why are we still here just to suffer? You'll you'll be indifferent to the suffering. And that will probably be the thing that gets you through your career is to become indifferent to suffering. <laughs> I got one thing I wanted to add to that too. <laughs> Um, that all of you are amazing at, and I think all the best creators on YouTube do, is value the community that you have, even if that's just one person. One of the things I recognize about your channel, Nick, especially because I'm on here reading all the comments, is how many regulars you have coming back every single Saturday. And remember these people's names. By the way, I know uh, Matthew Exotic Wine Channel, uh, we've got uh, Lewis from Mr. Camera Junkie. Uh, we got Jade in here. These are all people that follow me on video influencers that come to my live streams. And if you recognize these people, I will tell you that is the foundation of greatness. And it might not seem like a lot at the beginning, but you know what they do? They, they become moderators. They help to promote your channel. Uh, they help to uh, cultivate a community even when you're not doing it. And that is what makes YouTube different than a, a regular celebrity, okay? And now I'm not comparing myself or any of you guys to like an A-list celebrity, but the the Hey, man, what are you saying? Why not? <laughs> In this world, hell, definitely. Man? That sounds See, like a slam. Celebrities... <laughs> A very one-sided, right? Like one-way uh, direction. They're just putting out movies and television shows. They might be on social media, but when it comes to YouTube 
and uh, creators on this platform, you're starting this relationship and it's way more intimate than that. And so this is what I found from 2008 when I started all the way to now. And it all starts with that first person or their first 10. Uh, you know, even Gary Vaynerchuk talks about this when he started Wine Library TV. I believe he still remembers like the first 20 people that used to watch him when no one else cared. And I think he like brought them on a trip, like a wine trip or something like that. And so right. don't like discount that community. And uh, by the way, that's engagement, that's likes, that's shares, that's people in your chat. Those are the people going to ask questions every single Saturday uh, so that you have something to bounce off of. I love what everybody else said because I agree. By the way, Emily Baker, she does this very well. She creates content that's evergreen because it's topical and she's like every single second is something exciting. But she also does a great job of acknowledging people by name. So uh, remember that that engagement is what sets YouTubers apart from uh, most other creators um, and definitely from other celebrities. Well, and one thing, too, you is know? like a lot of people focus on that the number of people that are showing up and you'll see like two viewers and then you'll go and you'll complain about that. But the thing is, those two people saw you valuable enough to give you the most precious asset they have. And that is their time. That is our that is our most precious asset. So do not underplay that and, and understand that you, they're showing up for you. So you show up for them as if they're the hundred people that you're trying to get to. And, 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 and if they get the value out of it, guess what? They're going to tell other people. They will be the core, the catalyst of your channel growing because they're going to be like, I got so much value from this person because they treated me like, you know, they only had two people there and you treated me like gold. So you, you, you never know what person is going to lead you to your best audience member. So always treat everybody like gold. Benji, the point, I think one of the strongest things that you said there was with the celebrity comparison is that, see, a, you might recognize a celebrity, but they won't recognize you. But a YouTuber has the, or even a content creator on another platform, just a content creator influencer, the difference is they recognize their super fans, as my friend Pat Flynn would call them, our friend Pat Flynn actually would call them, is super fans. Primary example. Um, and you recognize, and also... The thing is, we have a peer relationship as content creators. Primary example, Tom Nash is in the house. We're, a lot of us are fans here of Tom Nash. And I know he's been in, um, especially with my videos and your videos, Nick, Tom Nash has been in our community for a very long time before becoming mm -hmm. an esteemed content creator himself. Now he's crushing it. So, But recognizing peers like that is something that doesn't happen in every industry of literally getting to see somebody's come up. That happens to where someone might start out as a fan of yours and then you become a fan of theirs. And that you also, even if that doesn't happen, we recognize our fans and our supporters in a way that celebrities don't have like that kind of direct relationship with their audience. Well, and here's another thing too that I like, and this is something that happens. You, you're creating your content and you also have to think about the people that you don't realize are watching you. So it was a, there was some time I was doing studio builds for a long time. And then all of a sudden I found out just through a conversation with D Nimmin that I actually had inspired Nick Nimmin and D Nimmin studio. And I had no idea that they were even <laughs> watching me. So, yep. you know, that's another the thing that you need to worry or not worry about, but understand that you have people that might be watching you that are getting inspired and you don't even know about them. 
So um, we had another question that came in here from um, our fantastic wife says, we briefly discussed this in your Facebook, but how do we grow if we talk about two different things, finance and weight loss, but both lead to our IVF journey? I'm not sure what IVF stands for, um, but for- um, In vitro fertilization. Oh, okay. Um, So in that- how did you like you just know that like right off the top of your head or did you look at your channel yeah i'm an expert no i like i i'm this endless repository of information that's not relative to me in any way shape or form (laughs) okay okay there we go yeah so um uh so in this one in terms of talking about two completely different things um for everybody here what are your what are your thoughts on um talking about two different things well, so I'll go first if nobody's saying anything. So, yeah. um, so my my thoughts on um, on this one is the the only issue that you're going to run into here is when you are you know pulling people in that care about finance related content and you're pulling people in that care about like weight loss related content. If if you're targeting the people that are, what is it again, Roberto? In vitro, in vitro. In vitro fertilization. So well, what in is that, that? Just so, so in I can that have situation, if people are having difficulty. Um, with uh, pregnancy, whether, um, you know, that's on the the male side, um, you know, um, like, you know, okay, so just sperm sperm count or something like that, or or for, or for on the female side, it might have to do with just having difficulty carrying the term, maybe needing a surrogate, needing, uh, so some of it's surrogacy, like some things go with surrogacy. So other things are uh, being artificially inseminated in terms of the in vitro. There's just a lot, there's a lot of different reasons why people have that situation, but basically it's their journey of them wanting to get pregnant. It's their journey of okay. them wanting to be, there are a couple of YouTubers actually yeah, recently have had that. Yeah, just before so, I so just so you what? have the, the background. Okay. Yeah, so you have the background. So thank you. Um, so when it comes to uh, this situation, so if you are targeting people that are also dealing with that, um, you know, same thing or they're going through that same thing, then if your finance content is wrapped around that and your fitness content is wrapped around that as well or your weight loss content, then it's okay because you're still targeting the same group of people that are are, are, are working through that and you are still able to add value to that core audience. So just to put it into perspective because you watch my content, um, that's similar to me targeting YouTube content creators where I have content on my channel that helps people learn about live streaming and then I have content on my channel that helps people learn about you know the foundations of growing a YouTube channel. So because of that, you know, it might seem like I'm putting out two different types of content, but in reality, I'm targeting the same, you know, the same people at the core. So, you know, in your case, I think you're fine as long as you wrap it around what it is that you're doing. So one of the things that you'll hear in my content is I'm always talking to YouTubers. I'm not like, hey, if you're doing this on LinkedIn, in some cases, like I have a, I have a StreamYard video coming out, um, I think on Monday, but in that video, you know, I say, you know, hey, it allows you to stream to LinkedIn, um, but I don't, you know, like when, when my video is open, I don't say, I, I don't make zero reference to people that are live streaming on LinkedIn because I'm talking to YouTube content creators, even though some of those people might watch my content to learn how to do something. So, you know, because of that, my audience is YouTube content creators, just like yours is the people going through that journey. So as long as you always wrap things around people, you know, that are going through that same journey, then you're still targeting that. I core, have, yeah, uh, that right. Core and it feels it, You yeah, have to use the terminology of, that applies to that group. Yeah, in speak the their title of every single video. You have to use the terminology of the group and you have to use the wording of your sit the situation or the struggle in there in the title so if it's about finances the finance part has to be about the cost the investment or the debt or uh, around this issue if it is 
about the weight loss. The weight loss has to be like, I think that has to do with about the healthy, like the health or what it takes in order to go through this or it's a struggle. And I think it has to be framed. That's just, I think you have to contextualize it in a way that's completely unambiguous. And it's very obvious to somebody on the same journey as you leave no room for confusion or vagueness about who this is meaningful to. That's my thought. I got, I got, I got two things I want to add, Nick, and then I got to go, um, actually, but, uh, to our fantastic life, two things. Number one, the focus is going to be on the two of you. My wife and I, we have a vlog channel, um, but we don't broadcast like I'm this food lover and my wife is a beauty person. That comes out in the content. The focus is really my wife and I as a married couple and us as a family. Um, all those other elements leads me to the second part. I think too many people want to brand themselves or put a label on their banner let the content speak for itself. Like like Roberto th- said, I think that um, being topical in terms of your title and your thumbnail, I think is very smart. But what's more important is like, what do people actually get out of the video? Um, there's, you know, this is a thing. All four of us right now, all have different interests, but we're not plastering that on our channels. That is going to come out naturally. And one of the things I love about Dave Foster is uh, when he helps build people's studios, he's like, what are elements about you that are different than other people? Make sure you include that in your studios. I know it's kind of ironic because I totally took away everything, right? Um, but but it's I, you. I, yeah, it's yeah, for sure. Um, but the reason I bring this up is a lot of people, I think, overcomplicate it. Like you, you listed three or four different topics, right? That are you already know that it's conflicting and you're wondering, how do I do this? Well, don't even worry about any of that. Like more focus on yourself and what is it you're gonna deliver in that video. Um, but hey, as always. Love this uh, channel. Love being on your um, show, Nick. Thank you so much, David. I've got some stuff to tell you. You, you, you uh, made me think of some conversations I had that people talked about how they love my studio and they watch your channel to get their ideas. It's so crazy. Like these are like big time creators. So you never know who's gonna watch you, who's gonna stumble on your content, and just keep that in mind. YouTube really is a even playing field. You don't have to be a celebrity. In fact, celebrity are asking other people how to work this YouTube thing. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm going to be going live Thank on you, Video Mindy. Influencers um, today. I'm back. It's been a, a little while. I took nice. a little break. It's good to see all you guys. What time are you going live over there? Just so everybody knows. Um, 30 minutes, 10 o'clock, um, 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time is my normal uh, live show on Saturday. So I'll see everybody there from the uh, VI community. As always, uh, peace out. Peace. Thanks yes, for coming on, man. Have an awesome so, uh, week. So, hey, Nick, yes, I wanted to, can you bring up that other comment again? That, or back is it already again. gone? Uh, which one? Which the one? I, the, the IFV, the one we were just responding to, because I wanted to. If not, um, let me see if it's still in the queue here. First, I just want to say, what's up, D? Hope that you are doing awesome. He said that baby. he's on his phone right now. So um, well, the one thing I, cause I, I think I can remember what I wanted to say. The one thing is, I think maybe you're, you're, you know, you're, you're looking at doing finance and weight loss uh and and from someone who happens to also be going through the in video in vitro uh thing but what if the focus was a couple going through that who also happens to do finance and weight loss because like you're going through something that's so specific that like with with trying to get pregnant that way that i think a lot of people would connect more with that content and then and then you also happen to talk finance and weight loss for those people 
as it relates to that rather than finance and weight loss and then trying to, to lead people from finance and weight loss into something so specific seems like that it might be a little bit backwards in my mind. I don't know if you guys agree. Okay. So here's what I would theoretically do. There's, are you both familiar with a YouTube channel called, um, our rich, um, I think it's called our rich journey. Nope. Mm -mm. Okay. So I'm pretty sure their channel is called our rich journey. And so our rich journey is this uh, couple that talks about um, how they basically used fire, the financial independence, retire early uh, methodology and philosophy in order to retire. I think at 35, 37, something like that. They retired as a couple before they were 40 and you got to see their debt journey. You got to see them do this. And now you get to see them talk about what they've been able to do because of fire and because of personal finance, but they also have things that they show of like, here is our lifestyle because of what fire did for us. So they also have lifestyle content and they do things and then they tell you how much it costs them to be able to do those things and so on and so forth. So to your point, David, they could do, instead of a family vlog, it really could be a lifestyle channel and a lifestyle channel that gets us emotionally invested in the life of this couple and the family that they're trying to start, we see all the other things that they go in along the way. And the in their in their their journey to getting pregnant could be an ongoing series that exists within their channel. And there's different aspects of that. But you basically are lending yourself more to vlog-like content that's also something that has a takeaway for us. You you, you get what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I totally, yeah, totally agree. Another question that we have here is how to approach brands for sponsorships. Roberto. Watch my series on that. Like literally there's a series on my channel about getting brand deals and I've been covering all of this stuff and I've been talking about it. There's a lot that goes so, into approaching, there's a lot that goes yeah, into approaching really brands. Quick. For that, there's a link to his channel down in the description below. There's also a link to David's channel. There's also a link to the Video Influencers channel for Benji, who was just on here. Because um, I saw a couple chats of people wanting to know where to catch his live stream. It's on his channel, the Video Influencers channel. Um, but uh, Roberto's link to his channel so that you can catch that series is down in the description as well. Yeah. So ahead, the thing Roberto. is that 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 question, how to approach brands for sponsorship, is actually too broad, even though I'm going to make a video literally with that title. It's initially too broad. Because I don't know that you even know which brands you want to work with. So do you know which brands you want to work with? Because there's no point in me telling you how to approach somebody if you don't know who you're approaching. So do you have a list of the 20, 30, or 50, or 100 brands that you absolutely would love to work with? Have you, done, have you looked at those brands and what sponsored content for those brands looks like in YouTube and Instagram? Do you have a pitch? For those brands so do you even know what if you got a yes do you even know what you would be doing next if they said you pitched them and you said yes so you need to think about that you're going to approach them what are you going to approach them with do you know your numbers cold do you have a media kit do you have a point of contact do you do you, do you have those things do you have a rate card do you know how much you're going to ask for do you know how to ask them politely what their budget is so the question is not how to approach brands. The question, even though th that is the question you want to ask, the question you need to answer for yourself is, am I even ready to approach a brand? Do I even know how that conversation is going to go? Do I even know how to answer if they, if I approach, do I know who I'm approaching? Do I know how much to ask for? Do I know 
what to say yes to? Do I know what a good deal looks like? Do I know what to do if they hand me a contract? Do I know how to read that contract? Do I know which YouTube lawyer to reach out to, uh, to go over that contract to make sure I'm not getting screwed? Do I, uh, do I have the capability to deliver on what they would be asking for? Uh, and then also ask myself, okay, do I even know also who I can reach out to as another creator in my niche to know what a good deal looks like? And really quick on that note, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, animals of all ages, I guess, and sizes, I don't know. But Andrew can in the house. What is up, Andrew? Ooh. Nice Hello. to see you. So long. You're <laughs> doing fantastic. How are you? I am doing very well. I actually like that uh, piece of conversation we were talking about on like brand deals because I actually have input on that. So yeah, a lot of times in my former job, that coming in with fire. Oh yeah, yeah. I got it. You got to bring value, right? So no in my former needed. job, a lot of people would come up to us and be like, yeah, I want to work with you. I'm like, great. Let, what's your pitch? And they're like, oh, I didn't think you'd say yes. So a hundred percent have something prepared <laughs> because more often than not, we'll hear people that genuinely hadn't no idea we'd be willing to work with them. And then they had nothing prepared. And that happens more frequently than you think. So even if you're approaching a brand, always have something in the back of your mind, because that can lead to more than just one video. Like for example, I know Nick, you've collaborated with people who have given you series ideas instead of just one videos. And the more value you can bring to a creator or a brand or whatever, the better it's gonna be for you because then you're over delivering and they're gonna wanna work with you again. Yes. So and congratulations, note, Andrew Khan, by the way, well, thank for your you. new adventure. Yeah, congratulations, Andrew, for your new yes. gig. So uh, Andrew, uh, he he is formally of TubeBuddy. Everything's good. Nothing's, you know, like all weird or anything. But, uh, you know, they have a peaceful, you know, split. He just had another opportunity. So uh, Andrew is now no longer at TubeBuddy. He is now a... Um, an individual. So instead of saying Andrew can from TubeBuddy, we can now just say Andrew can. So well, actually, uh, well, you're working with another great company now, isn't that correct? Yes, I'm now with Salesforce. <laughs> oh, nice, nice, nice. Salesforce. Good, good, good. Yeah, one of the one of the largest. For those of you not familiar with this, this is one of the largest uh, SaaS companies in the world. Um, they're also, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, maybe everyone doesn't know about this because they don't follow stocks or whatever or anything like that. I think that like Salesforce is actually even considered a large cap company. Um, I, I believe their valuation is hundreds of mil, uh, hundreds of uh, billions of dollars or something like that. Salesforce I mean, is a big deal. It's the only way they could afford Andrew. So sales <laughs> <laughs> premium. Yeah, Andrew yeah. comes with premium. So uh, <laughs> like that's someone someone from the creator community. I just need to ask Andrew up. Andrew uh, would be considered a small YouTuber, got to work with and build out a, uh, a YouTube channel in a niche that serves the creator community and help them get to half a million and was the face of that brand and the face of their YouTube content and yeah. the brains behind their YouTube strategy for reaching the community for many, many years. And then he went on, now he's doing his own independent ventures, but he's also now working for one of the leading corporate brands in the world and educating them and bringing them into the world of YouTube uh, to be able to connect in a more realistic way with a video first audience. So that just shows you what is possible and that you don't have to be a big YouTuber to be a big deal. Yeah. 
And, and you know what else too is, you know, like the two buddy gig, he got that from his YouTube channel and then he was able to use that. And then he moved from there into, uh, you know, uh, Salesforce. So it's like, you know, by, by starting out on, on YouTube and having the courage to have a YouTube channel, it basically created a path for him that he's, uh, you know, currently walking down, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. High five, Andrew. Should we just, should we start kissing on the screen? (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you both. I, I do think that's important to know because like, what mostly they care about is like what value you're bringing. It goes back to the whole brand conversation is you got to lead with value. And if you're not leading with value to your audience, if the only value is in yourself, you can't be surprised when it's just you watching. Right. Right. DJ cook enjoying the graphics on the, uh, on the screen. Yeah. We got all kinds of cool stuff going on. Uh, we got all kinds of cool stuff going on here. Thanks for swinging by dude. So on that note, and Andrew, I hate to do this because you just came on. Like <laughs> no at, worries. At, I'm at the end of the stream time right now. So, like um, so drop, I want though. to thank so. everybody for, um, I want to thank Roberto and David and Andrew for coming on to the stream and Benji as well and for sharing your knowledge here. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. And uh, make sure you stick around for the after party. Everybody don't go anywhere yet. Um, and uh, I also uh, want to thank uh, the sponsors again, TubeBuddy and StreamYard for, you know, making all this stuff, uh, you know, possible or for helping to support all of this. Um, and I also want to let you know if you want to continue um, listening to, uh, you know, YouTube related information right now, you're going to have two options. So, um, Daryl leaves is live right now. So you can go, you know, hang out in his, which I definitely recommend as well. Um, and you're going to have Benji going live here shortly also. So I recommend that one as well also, but here's a link to Daryl's channel right now. Cause he's live like at the moment. Um, so you can head on over there. If you do head over there, uh, make sure you just drop a Nimanati. So he knows where you came from. Um, just a little thing that I like to do, you know, a little raid there. So, yeah. Uh, so if you do head over there, make sure you drop that. And again, thank you everybody for hanging out today. And um, one thing, just as a little, you know, takeaway, if you did hear a lot of information here and you're like, man, there's like just a lot of info um, and I don't really know where to start, just pick like one thing. Like if anything resonated with you in terms of, you know, something that you should apply to your channel, um, then then just, you know, focus on that one thing for this week and, you know, try to really understand that one thing, you know, watch some other videos on it, maybe, you know, do some Google searches to uncover more information about that thing that resonated so that you can start applying these things to your channel so that you can, you know, start um, accelerating things if you're just getting started. If you're already started and everything's going great, then, you know, then don't even worry about it. Thanks for hanging out. Glad that you uh, enjoy hanging out here. And uh, thank you, everybody, so much. Um, And I will see you uh, next Saturday, 9 a.m. Eastern. Peace.